1: That time of the week again, the Rugby League Rant, 5th and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing The NRL tour. And back for a
2: week.
1: Another week, sorry, of the fifth and last NRL podcast and Boxhead. No NRL action this weekend. The standalone round and Origin Game 2 on the horizon. Yeah, I don't like this weekend. I don't like the
0: standalone. Uh, I don't like, let me rephrase that. I like the standalone Origin game, but I like. I don't like that we've got nothing else on around it. I know we've got the women's state of origin on Friday night. Um, my interest in that is fairly low. I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, I think my interest in that would be a lot higher if it was a three-game series, not just this one. Uh, I guess standalone game that they play. I'd, it doesn't really appeal to me. I'd, I'd love to see it um, in the big stadium before the boys in a three-game series, the same as, as the boys, um, and then I'd, I'd really take it seriously. Uh, We've had the the New South Wales, CHS, CCC and CIS uh, little tri-series that they have and that's play, been played at the moment. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't have played that maybe on Thursday, Friday nights and put that on Fox League. I don't know, just, just something to fill the void for us. League nuts. Um, the Ron Massey Cup and the... Well, the New South Wales Cup's got a weekend off this weekend. Uh, the Ron Massey Cup is... there, And the Sydney Shield, they're doing a replay Replay of the round that was washed out in round two when we had all the floods. So there's some options there to, to slot some things in and, and give some people some footy. But for whatever reason, the powers of be have thought, well, we're not going to televise any of it. And we're basically just going to get the girls going Friday night, nothing Thursday, nothing Saturday. And uh, we'll have to wait until, you know, eight o'clock on Sunday night to get our footy fix.
1: Yeah, well, generally around this time of the year, we've also had some internationals. But I don't know if it was because of uh, COVID reasoning they didn't do it because generally there's been 80%, percent of the players from Australian competition anyway. They have a handful maybe flying from the Super League, so I thought they might still go ahead. But I guess, again, if that was the case this weekend, we might have had a problem given the fact that the players have now been put back into the Level 3 bubble. Those have already gone into origin, some having time off for the buy and been in and out, so... I'm not too sure, but yeah, realistically, like you said, Friday night we're going to have the women's origin. Sunday we've got the men's game. Saturday, nothing. I'm not sure what time it's on, but the Super League, have, have they got an all star team playing England? I think. Have you seen that? Yeah,
0: I, I do believe
1: they do. I, I don't know whether. It's Friday night, UK. I have a
0: look off. I've got my fox up at the moment. Okay, so it'll be Saturday
1: morning outside. Yeah, yeah, so. Um,
0: I, let me get that up. Yeah, keep going and I'll, and I'll fill you in when
1: I, um, I can come across it. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what time. I'd assume it would be early Saturday morning. I had a look at the lineups yesterday. It's literally almost a former NRL team. Um, yeah. A lot of guys that are on the fringe uh, of NRL for the most part. You, Paulie, Paulies, Kenny Edwards, who played some football, Luke Yates, who only played a handful of games, etc. I think under their criteria, they're also able to borrow couple of English players who weren't selected or somehow I don't know, quite know the rules but Jake Connor Jermaine McGill also qualified yeah. so it's on from 5am till
0: 7.30am on Saturday morning
1: alright so there's an option at least
0: you record or get your kale up um, you could probably watch that on Saturday night I guess if you're a desperate yep um, I'm just having a look to see whether there's anything else on but mm, interesting
1: yeah, I'll have a look at that game but, yeah. I don't know
0: why they couldn't put a Ron Master Cup game on We spoke about this off
1: air oh, I just think Similar deal when you've got a gap For the week, whether it be Scheduling uh, for that or the Cup games That are being replayed and trying to make One or two of those go back to back at a stadium For this week just to fill in something on Saturday But, you know Their choice I guess But uh, A few people messaged about no podcast last night, apologies about that, but we're still here. Um, the plan was obviously to do the review of Round 15, in-depth preview of Origin Game 2 as well. It would have been uh, last night, but uh, yeah, at least we're here. That's all that matters. And uh, we'll jump straight into things here with our set of six, Brock and Tackle 1. First up, the New South Wales team that was named 20-man squad this time. The only change being that Jake Draboyevich is out with a hip injury they obviously added in Angus Crichton, who is now back from suspension. Dale Finucane from Melbourne after finally stringing a few games together. And they've obviously kept Coruscant, Campbell Graham, in the squad from last time. Uh, they've pretty much made it clear what the change is going to be. Paulo will move in to the starting lineup. Crichton has moved on to the bench. And Finucane looks like he's going to be the 18th man. Um, thoughts? pretty much no surprise I guess that you'd try to make the least amount of changes possible to a team that won 50-6 yeah
0: yeah I, I like the squad I, I do like the squad but you, you know my changes I'd, I'd play Coruscant I wouldn't play Whiten I would play Finucan, um over Crichton if I had to pick one or the other uh, just because I think he's, he's going to add more for that middle third I don't really think we're going to need a back rower if you're going to carry Liam Martin um, the only way I'll put Crichton in the side is if you're going to drop Liam Martin. Maybe maybe that's what will happen, but uh, maybe Liam Martin will move to 18th man, I, I don't know. I just I find it really difficult to justify playing Liam Martin over either Crichton or Finucane. I think Crichton and fanucan are just tried and tested, experienced, origin, standard players. Liam Martin was picked, with all due respect, because they weren't available for Game 1, so... In my line of thinking, I would I would I would play them over Liam Martin, uh, but then again, the the way the side won, and I said this last week, the way the side won in Game One, I, I mean, I have no issue if the Blues run out one to seventeen as they did in, in Game One. I've got no issue with that. So, uh, but but my thought is always like, I want to win the series. I want to win this next game. Every game is its own separate entity. So I want to pick the best available team for this game. Um, And I guess playing devil's advocate, if you said that we we had lost game one, you know, you you probably suggest there would be a few changes. But I think if we do stick one to 17, it's just based on loyalty and and I'm okay with that. But um, I don't necessarily agree with it.
1: Yeah, I could see your point of view on the fact we had a good strong middle rotation in game one to go to and looking at the way the bench would be made up at this current point in time. Haas is obviously still part of that rotation, but are you going to play Crichton or Martin directly as a middle? Like Martin has played middle and edge for Penrith this year, they've used him more off the bench for that role to cover for both spots. But he's definitely, you know, uh, a, a change in class in terms of how middle plays compared to what we had with Haas and Paulo rolling in game one. The only other option, I guess, is do they roll? a Murray or a Simson to get one of those guys onto an edge or both onto an edge, but I look at that again and think, well, defensively and the combinations they've made with the halves in game one and in camp, you don't really want to disturb your edge combinations defensively and in attack, so uh, my only way of thinking is that for the most part, those guys will be rotated through his middles um, and if anything, yeah, one of those guys, more likely Murray being a guy that plays in the middle uh, could possibly spend some time there if they do the change up, but White in there again We know what he's there for He's purely there for cover So um, Yeah There could possibly be a late change Like you said To get Finucane in there To have two pure middles And that one player Been an edge Middle utility Whether it be Martin or Crichton Crichton in all honesty uh, Same as you in my opinion He would have been a starting back row If he wasn't suspended for game one But those two guys did a really good job So um, Hold their spot But We won't know until kickoff I guess But uh, Moving on from that Queensland for tackle 2 and their squad, fair few changes Jaden Sewer and Offerhead Gowey just straight up dropped Xavier Coates uh, had a hamstring issue missing but I'd say as well that he was pretty close to uh, being on the outer, Harry Grant out with a hamstring injury and AJ Brimson also out with bone bruising So Ben Hunt is recalled, he's on the bench, Andrew McCulloch also recalled starting at 9, Josh Papali back in the front row and uh, Reese Walsh debuting at fullback pushing Holmes to the wing and on the bench obviously Frankie Molo coming in for feet a pushback to the bench with Arrow going to the back row um, and Fotuaka, who was very very good obviously retains his spot there uh, in all honesty I, I think the forward pack got stronger in terms of defence and offence when you bring Papali in with Welch who obviously went out of the game after 10 minutes You've got two solid middles there Two guys that can offload the football Which they're definitely going to need Along with Tino McCulloch I think you've definitely lost A bit of a spark In attack But defensively the fact they got Just shredded last game to the middle If there's one thing you can do It's tackle But still um, Given the way the game's going now And the rules It's one thing to try and defend But you need to offer something in attack So they're going to rely heavily In my opinion On those middles doing a job this time Arrow to the edge to me Only screams one thing Defence again that they want somebody that they think is going to put in a bit more of an effort, a bit more of cover um, for a consistent period of time because I don't understand using Fafita off the bench as a battering rim, in all honesty. Um, I know he's big and he's powerful and all these other things, but his best talent is playing on an edge, isolating small guys, using his speed and his power to attack. So the only thing I can kind of really see here is they're trying to beef up their middle with Molo, him, Fotoeka, to roll through Welch, Papali, Tino, and the arrow being out there compared to Safer Fita. Definitely an attack he's not going to offer anywhere near as much, but defensively, he gets through a hell of a lot more work. He's a lot better at the fundamentals. He's good at making second efforts, hunting after the play, etc. and I think, for the most part, all their changes besides Walsh, to me, scream defense, and that they're trying to defend
0: Yeah, that's all fair comment, I think. Uh, The reach Walsh one, there's been a lot of talk and speculation on on that selection. Gus really ripped in and teed off. uh, And I can can see his perspective. Uh, I do think it's a huge risk. I don't think it's... Not that it's not fair. uh, I, I don't think it's a smart move to put him in into a side that's just been beaten by 50 he's 18 he's had less than 10 8-hour games I think if they had the mind that they may select him during the series why didn't they carry him in, in their squad in the, for the first camp it's an accelerated camp it's given him minimal time to, to prepare they've got other changes in the spine with Harry Grant moving out of the team who I think really would have complemented Rhys Walsh in a way that he plays very direct and runs and He'll get out of nine, and that would have opened up some chances for Reece Walsh to move and, and be around the ball um, and, and get some one-on-one looks. Whereas I don't, I don't really see that out of Ben Hunt and Andrew McCulloch. I think they're going to be more service and kicking nines, which I think is going to mean that uh, Walsh is going to have to play out of the back of you know sort of shape and. I guess rely on his middle forwards generating some momentum which they weren't able to do in the first game I I do fear for the level of impact that he can have on the game so and then you just you you know you look at his performance on the weekend like he he struggled a little bit in the weather and with some of those high kicks and I just don't think he's nailed down being a regular first grader yet and they're going to throw him into a a game too which is as good as a decider for Queensland They, they have to win so I see that perspective from Phil Gord. I, I I didn't think. I, I certainly don't feel as strongly as he does. I mean, he, he sort of said leave Holmes at one, but we just saw that story, and yeah. oh, I don't believe Holmes is a one. I, I know Gus sort of said that he plays one at club footy, but I, I don't think he's done that
1: successfully. Again, it's a it's a safe move in a team that was beat by fifty, and I think. Mm. You need X-Factor, you need impact. I mean, they've got they've, got, um, they've Ponger out and Brimson's got that bone bruising. It doesn't look like he's
0: going to play. Yeah, they're, they're sort of left with not, not no choice but limited choices. It's, it's just a difficult one. I, I probably would have heard on the side of um, not selecting him based on the fact that I don't think he's going to be the difference between winning and losing the game and then thinking about his long-term development as a player so but, but that's just me it's easy for me to say that because it's not my neck on the line i'm not a selector i'm not a coach if, if they truly believe that he's ready and he can have an impact and can help them win then like i said they've got every right to select him and i would imagine reese walsh would have been wrapped to get the call up so i guess from that perspective uh you know, he'd be really excited and looking forward to the opportunity. I, I, I do have fears for him, P- particularly if New South Wales are, are allowed to be anywhere near as dominant well as what they were in, in Game One. It's going to be a, a really difficult night for him because, you know, that, that the real, the really really important responsibility that he's going to have is getting the defensive split right and making defensive adjustments in and around a side that just had their doors blown off them in the first game. That's going to be a really, really difficult task. And and then he's going to get tested in, in cover defence. And, you know, and if it sort of goes a similar way, you're going to be playing behind a pack that isn't generating a lot of momentum and you don't have a running nine. I think for me, I'd, if I'm Walsh, I'd just be hanging around Cameron Munster and just hoping that he has a, a good game and, and sniffing around him because he can certainly open up some space and opportunity. So that would probably be my thought. You know, I'd probably I'd probably stick him on Munster's hip and just hope that Munster can have a really, you know, one of those freakish games that he can produce and, and Walsh can take advantage of some opportunities that he can produce. But the other one is probably Christian Welsh. I think he's really underrated and his impact leaving the game in game one was, was underrated. So I'd probably get around him and look for an offload and maybe, like you said, if Feder can come on and, have an impact in the middle of the field there's another guy that can offload and create some opportunities but I I like what Paul Green did, I think back to what you said about defence, I I tend to agree I'm not sure what else he could have done, he certainly couldn't sit on his hands and not make changes it was a pretty ordinary performance he's got every right to make the changes that he has the guys that have come in have got an opportunity so it's at Suncorp, it'll be a different game, we know that New South Wales probably won't get any favours so yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see him play. He certainly um, he's one of those guys that keeps you you know, glued
1: to a game, isn't he? Yeah, I look at, like I said, those moves and the way they've loaded the bench up. Um, again, like I said, more for that edge, I think, defensively in particular for Arrow to help out Kate Well, try and do a little bit more there, particularly with Tom on that side and how much damage he created. But you look at the bench now, like Fatou was probably their best in game one. We know what Molo does, big, powerful... Straight up and down, run half feeder there. Unless they push Arrow in, goes to the edge, tries to make an impact. But having three strong middles, as compared to, say, a Asua and Offa Hengawi, who both were picked and, in all honesty, weren't in origin form uh, by any stretch of the imagination, makes me think they're going to really try to juice up the middle side of things because they lost it in game one. Obviously, Mipali, like we said, wasn't available. Welch, getting injured early, left all of it basically on Tino, who was busy but less impactful. But with those three starting now as a middle with the ability to bring on Mo Molo for feeder, um, they're going to need it because their back three struggled last game. And even with the change they've made here, Felt's okay in yardage. We know Holmes is better in yardage than he is just playing straight up from a one. And Walsh definitely isn't a yardage player. Walsh has been bought in as an X-factor, as a ball player. We've seen the impact he's had on club games, even in a beaten side week in, week out. He's a jack-in-the-box. He pops up on outside of shape. He reads numbers very, very well. He can ball play. He can run. Um, In terms of people worrying about him getting bashed Honestly, I don't think the rules let you get beaten up The way you would have in previous years Or times playing in Origin So I don't have as much worry in that regard But yeah, if they can't generate any momentum Out of the back third um, Similar to last game I worry in that sense of things That his impact could be limited from an attacking perspective Obviously if they can't get out of their own end Because let's face it, we know what he's there for He's there to provide an X-factor that they definitely wouldn't get from Valentine Holmes. The only one that would probably match it would be a ponger if he was available. Brimson's got some X-factor, but he's more of a runner than he is a ball player. But they're looking for someone here that if they do get opportunities, they can ice them or create them. And we've certainly seen that ability at the Warriors. But if they can't get momentum, like we said, from the back third of the field, uh, I see him being safe. And, And the conditions on the weekend were terrible. I think anyone would have struggled in the wind on the weekend in terms of the way he played. But every other game he's played so far, he's been absolutely outstanding. So um, I, I guess, what were your options? If, if you go with Holmes, I I'd really think their chances were already pretty slim, but if they would have stuck with Holmes, I wouldn't have been confident at all if I was a Queenslander. So um, interesting to see how that plays out. But Hunt, you know, brings a running game at least, or some sort of spark if they can roll as well. We've seen him kick a 40-20 a couple of times and kick out a dummy half, but... Uh, Harry Grant is definitely a big loss as well. If they had Harry, Walsh, the halves Papali, Welch, etc., um, that would have been good. But I think uh, Harry Grant, definitely a big blow out of all those names that are missing. Huge. So interesting to see how it plays out. But, yeah, different kettle of fish up there. A couple of debutantes, plenty, plenty to play for. Um, and um, no doubt they'll be fired up. And like you said, Welch huge impact second phase that they didn't get Papali has second phase Tino had with those guys starting it's a much much better middle Um, they're going to have to generate something because like we said McCulloch's not exactly a spark plug he's more defensive Um, but those three together at the start will have to do a good job Um, and I'm, I'm sure they'll do a much better job than what they did in game one keeping things a bit more even and then when that bench comes on whether they can maintain the rage but yeah back three huge key to see if they can turn things around this game and we'll find out but We'll do that a bit more in depth later on. But tackle three, the Tigers situation uh, from the weekend and where to from here. We've gone over a lot of this stuff a lot of times and it's been done to death this week. So I'm going to be succinct as possible. But anyone that's still complaining about the Ivan thing and bringing all these other bits and pieces up, like honestly, it's year three. They've signed 18 players since. They've re-signed just about everybody else. That was on that roster that they wanted to keep. The only two players left, yes, they're still Packer, they're still Emba. I'm not denying they're both on good money, but when you've rolled over 18 players that you've brought in yourself and re-signed the rest, and you're still getting beat, you can't blame another coach. All right, um, no, the coaches
0: are the least of their problems. They're, and, they're, they're similar, very similar to the, the position that Brisbane are getting themselves into. Where you know you can you can scroll back three coaches and sort of try and point the finger and attribute blame but
1: it's yeah it's, it's much bigger than Madge Moore. <laughs> it's much bigger
0: yeah it's it's seated in the footings of the club the mm. footings of the club you know and the foundations of what the, the club is right now and not Madge is doing I guess if you want to blame someone in the short term then he's, he's going to be the one to get shot first we know that but it's certainly not his fault i look at them now and just go they'd be doing him a favour to, to sack him because it, to, to walk out at half-time, like, I, I didn't agree with him walking out at half-time. Like, but I've, I've never sort of been in a dressing room, I guess, at our time, Westside, because we had a few half-times where we were down by, you know, 30-odd, I think, at one point, 30-zip 30, 30 at one point, um, to Parramatta, I, I think, at one point. Um, and that's that's a that's a difficult half-time chat to have. But, I, I mean, you're talking... We're talking about situations where you're playing age group football, and you just you know that they're better than you. And but this is this is NRL. This is the top level. This is the elite. There's no excuse to be down by 40 at half time uh, it's, It was just diabolical, and I don't know what to say. I think a lot of it's been said. I think the roster and the signings that they've made, culturally, when you look at it, if you're trying to achieve. Toughness and grit and hard work and you know, doing things the right way. I think their signings have left a little bit to be desired because it certainly doesn't reflect what they're talking about. Like culture is what you do, it's not what you say. There's, but there's, a, there's always a lot of talk out of the West Tigers about you know we're going to do this and we're going to do that, but in the end that's just lip service. So it's it's what you do, mm. and what they did on mm. the weekend was essentially just quit when things got tough. Uh, and Craig Bellamy, I thought Craig Bellamy was really complimentary of them in his post-match presser, but you know, it's not, not his job, I guess, to lay the boot in, but it was a difficult press conference for Craig as well, because he sort of having to answer questions, and he, he would have been mortified if he was coaching um, the West Tigers, and match, he doesn't look lost for answers, but he's sort of in a position where I, I don't know what you do next. OK, so you, you, could, you could say, oh, we're going to clear up the roster. OK, well, let's clear up the roster. But who in the NRL, in terms of elite players, is looking at the West Tigers thinking, hey, I'd, I'd love to go and play there?
1: Yeah, and for unders either. No one.
0: Yeah. Or so, market I mean, value. It then rolls back to the whole discussion that we've had about development and how long that's going to take. And, you know, when I when I first went there, you know, we arrived there together and we were, I guess, we were uh, a little bit sore after because of the experience that I had at the Panthers and you know I'd sort of spoken to them about you know the pathways and how the systems worked at Penrith and you know the things that needed to be implemented and my ideas on you know where they needed to go as a club in terms of their development and, and their junior competitions in particular to about results at Harold Matthews and SG Ball you, you're always going to have the odd crop that comes through that are good but if you want to be consistently good you've got to get your junior competition structures right and at the moment, they've got they still got Western suburbs and Group Six in in that Campbelltown area, which is basically diluting the quality of those competitions. Uh, in Balmain, you've got you know a handful of teams, so it's the the quality of, of development that they're, that they're getting isn't what it probably should be. And then you're also diluting the quality of coaches. Like if you you know up until 15s, they play as Group Six, Western Balmain. So I guess that means that you're getting more players within those systems, and they're not really systems; they're just essentially their mum and dad coaches that are taking those sides. Um, and you, you're diluting. You'd, you'd be better at putting them all into one squad and, and calling them West Tigers and running some sort of development program. Was my idea. And Mitch Lewis, who you know is no longer at the West Tigers, had a, a Cubs program up and running that ran for two or three years. That was you know, pumping quality through. When you look at their jersey flag at the moment, their jersey flag's going quite well. And a lot of the guys that are in that jersey flag are ones that have come through the Matson Ball that we had an involvement with and the flag... Uh, sorry, the Cubs squad, um, you know, that I worked with there for two years. And Mitch deserves a lot of the credit for, you know, those players that they've developed locally that have come into that into that system. But just because you get them to flag doesn't mean you get them into the carpet in the first grade either. So... You know, it's one thing to sort of get them to flag, but once you get them to flag, you got to get them to cup, and once you get them to cup and get them to first grade, it's it's difficult. I mean, it'll take us at Mounties for example. Like we've only, I think we've had three or four guys make their first grade debuts from cup this year. So you know, that's that's not a lot in the in the wider scheme of things when you take into consideration how many players are playing cup. So the, the West Tigers are in a world of hurt. And I think their cup their cup side's running second as well, so it's not like their cup are travelling poorly. And But Madge must be looking and thinking that what I've got in first grade is better than what's at cup level. So I, I, I really don't know where they go. Well, what, what are your thoughts? I, I, well,
1: I think similar deal again. that's
0: the hardest position to be in as a coach when you look and you go, oh, I can't apply pressure, I can't apply competitive pressure because I don't have competition below these players pushing them. Competition is the greatest thing you can ever have within any sporting squad. Competition for spots means that you can create a training environment which is actually harder than the game, realistically. like They're competing for spots in your team before they even get to the game. The game then becomes the easy part. And I think when you you look at these teams that are high-performing for long periods of time they have I think depth is a crap word I think they have quality um, and and lots of quality which just creates competition which you know ensures that everyone's on every every day there's no easy training session you can't just assume that you're going to be in the side and you know you look at the way that some of those players have played for the West Tigers like and they're still getting selected so where's the consequence for the behavior and you know what you accept in terms of behavior is is your culture essentially that's that's what you are so that that's it in a nutshell i know we didn't want to go over it forever but there's there's just a whole raft of things but i guess all that just comes down to effort as well doesn't it
1: well, look at it this way, and we've gone over this before when people are like, well, they'll sack him or do this or do that. Like, who are you hiring and who wants that yeah. job? I don't, I don't want that job. And, and the person who ends up taking it will end up being someone who's probably already had a job, been on the merry-go-round, been unsuccessful, will want to do the same thing with a knockdown rebuild. If they went after a big name, you know, they'd have to absolutely break the bank and hand over all control. And again, I don't think they'll have anybody probably the biggest name available said this to the other day for anyone would be Shane Flanagan but I don't think he would take this job for his reintroduction to the NRL I just I really don't see that happening um then, mm. I mean,
0: the one the one Chris I'll, I'll say this I think Madge moved on some good
1: people I think I think, I think he moved you know, on I think some good
0: I'm not going to I'm not going to name names and it's not my place to do that but I do know that he's he's let go of some staff members there that I I respected and they're as good a people in terms of um, how good they are in their role, as I've seen you know, and I've, I've been at two NRL clubs for long periods of time like I was at West Tigers for four years, I was at Penrith for 11 so you, you, you see the, you know, quality people come and go and I think Match moved on some people maybe because of their affiliation with Ivan or he just wanted some change, which is okay, but you know, I think you've at least got to, you got to get your feet under the desk and, uh, I guess, assess how people do their job and whether they're worthy of, of staying in that role. I don't just think you can put a broom through and think you're going to be able to replace every single person within an organisation with competent um, performances and, and people who are actually going to do a better job than someone who's already there. And I think that's happened a little bit at the West Tigers. I... Like, you know, I do think he's made some positive moves there, but I, there's also a few there that I disagree with, and that I think uh, hurting them, particularly in that space of, you know, in, in flag cup to, to first grade, and, and in the pathways, and I don't know now they're getting naughty, Brett Kamali's moving in there, and he's, we've, I've had a lot to do with him at Mounties, um, he came down once a week during our preseason, so i sort of spent, you know, three or four months seeing him once a week, and he's a quality person and a quality operator so I think he's going to do a good, jo- good job there and Sheens is coming back so I guess there's positive things happening but yeah, it's going to take years and years and years to get some juniors funneling through and and in, we've spoken about this on the show as well Like that's how you sort your cap out you get your cap in a good situation when, you, when you've when got good young juniors coming through who are performing on the field above their salary
1: but I also think we talk about the juniors and when we're there there's, there's still all this talk and again, you wouldn't know unless you've been out there. But there's still all this talk from people in the media and that who wouldn't have gone out and looked at Group Six or the combined comp or whatever else, going, "Oh, it's such a huge area. There's so many juniors. There's not really at all. It's not as big."
2: Not, not at
1: the moment. But yeah, it but it's come. it's not as big as what's made out. Like people harp on things like it's still 20 mm. years ago. Like the pool that we were picking from by the time you got to Matson Ball, were playing in a combined competition with the Bulldogs and something else. So it's lucky to be three teams. Yeah, some of the
0: kids are playing second division.
1: Like, honestly. Some,
0: some of the kids are playing um, up in age. Like, it's just developmentally, it's it's all over the shop.
1: And the hardest part as well, on the flip side of that, what we're talking about, if you don't have money like a Roosters to cherry pick and you don't have as big a pool like they probably used to compared to, say, a Penrith or a Parramatta, and we've said this before, when you do have a couple of good ones, you have to keep them. And I'm not saying you break the bank, but there was times where, honestly, and we saw it, they made no effort or just as soon as it come to money or any sort of obligation. Well, listen,
0: listen here, any, any, player, any player that I had that was good that got punished by another club, we lost. Well, because that, the West Tigers refused to pay them, to sign them. We, that, we didn't keep anyone.
1: Well, there's, one, there's one that's still there who's very, very good and I hope they see yeah. the value to keep yeah. him. Um, there's, oh, he's not the only one that's good there there's some good kids there but as far as one that I think is an absolute standout to progress through and you yeah. know who I'm talking about Um, but again I'm not sure about his situation right now but even through the last couple of years I'm surprised he hadn't been poached but yeah first year, all those year youngs that did very well, three went to Canberra others were getting trying to get cherry picked by well, Parramatta
0: God, I must have lost four or five to
1: Manly. And there was n- near next to no urgency because as soon as it comes to dollars, it's almost like... So you, and then he started go, we've
0: just lost 10. And then there's three or four that just leave on their own accord. They go, oh, I'm not, not, not playing here because they, they never go any
1: good. Well, that was the other side though, again, about the reality of what we're talking about for some of them that when we split up for a year there between 16s and 18s and we had the trials... Guys will trial at multiple clubs. We know that. And they do it for leverage or they do it for opportunity. And when they send offers out to two or three kids going, oh, these kids trialled for us. And they're like, we got this kid from para We got this guy from here. And you're like, no, you don't. Like, what do you mean? You're like, well, he's trialled here. But until they accept or turn up, you don't know. Yeah. And then when the list comes yeah, out, not long, the they're open. like, this guy denied us. This guy's not coming. This guy's not coming. And I'm like, well, I'm... it's just the reality of the situation, unfortunately, yeah. but until you get yourself in a stronger position, um, you need to put more into that side of things. And I've, you already mentioned the name, so I might as well bring it up again. I think the biggest mistake they've made was letting Mitch go because in the short time that we were there or the few years that were there, I don't think anyone was doing more in terms of junior development besides the coaches obviously doing and ball and trying to have an effect all the way through the pathways. He was up with the NRL. He was carrying all the messages down. He was involved with cup, flag, Matt's ball Balmain West Both sides The Cubs programs You helped him start The development programs Anything good that was happening As far as someone That was employed by West Tigers full time To me He was the most important one there Yeah and um, Mitch and I Mitch and I now He's at the Bulldogs now Doing a little bit with the flag out the F2 ball there this year But he, um, Me and him talk every
0: week Because you just You respect people in rugby And You just You build a relationship And there's no shit in him Um You know, and he always gives you a different perspective on things. Sometimes I ring him for advice. Other times, you know, he'll ring me for advice and you just talk shit. You just talk footy and, yeah, he was a big loss for that club. I think he was it was a result of COVID and staff cuts and things like that, but that was a huge mistake in my opinion.
1: Oh, I agree. Regardless of COVID, I I can think of other people. I also
0: think you've got the joint venture aspect isn't spoken about enough. Like, they get each other from the inside out.
1: Um, Mate, people internally Even in, in the sides Of both sides Hate each other
0: They hate each other
1: and not, No not, really even, not, even just, not even just Not even You're a joint venture And you care more about
0: Your club Making a comeback To the NRL Like it's
1: fucking Not going to happen Yeah but it's not even that though There's, there's fighting Within the own the, Like just yeah. the, the west side Money of it and control And boards People and are worried about just too you just people in, in positions of power That want to exert that power For their own self-interest At the end of the day um, and we even had some, uh, you know, a couple of guys, again, will not name that have played for West or come through West Juniors who now know as West Tigers and have brought up the same message that we've had. No kid knows who the fucking West, Western Suburbs Magpies are because for the ones that are coming through now that are going to a Westfields or a Patrician Brothers or this, that, and the other that are linked to the Parramatta Reels or the Bulldogs or the Roosters or any school or affiliate... Yeah, it's close there, though. Like Western suburbs didn't exist so if it's West Tigers they know that but they wonder why some of them also when they don't get them for development or they don't have anything until 16's prior to the beginning of those programs why they weren't getting them because they go to those high schools who are affiliated with NRL clubs who exist right now and they lose them before yeah. they even get a chance to get their hands on yeah, I probably shouldn't uh, speak about the West Magpies. I'm not well liked there so, I'm not a former Magpies player. So, oh, well, that's that's
0: philosophy. Why, but... Yeah, I, no, I don't think there's any it. but, um, yeah, they're just very insular and they think that, you know, it's unless you're a former player or you're, you know, um, you shouldn't be involved in the club. So, uh, I, I got that before I even placed the boot on the coach's the session. So,
1: well, it's working out um, well for them, so... Oh, they're
0: going out soon. Yeah.
1: yeah, and again, I, I, we, I did meet some good people there that had been involved, but overall, that, their biggest hurdle, and we've just mentioned it, is themselves. Is themselves. And yeah. that would be on all levels. And anyone that anyone that tried to make positive change, they just whistle. Yeah, and we saw that over the few years. Anyone you sort of and thought... And that's the definition of insanity. You just keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Hmm. And that h- hurts the West Tigers because obviously most of the control comes from the West side financially and they're operating on the other side and they've tried to find more independence through sponsorship and funding and the board itself on West Tigers also has to be held accountable because at times they've cannibalised people or leaked things. No, to... look, the
0: West, the West Magpies could have a really positive effect on the West Tigers club but they, they need to choose to... Go down that path and prioritise the success of West Tigers over the success of, of them in cup, Massey, mats and ball. That, that, like realistically, the well now I'm pretty sure now the the mats and ball are controlled by West Tigers. Their logo, West Magpies, and. The cup obviously is controlled by West. Har- I think the only only side that's run by Westmac. is the Massey. I, I think. I, I don't know that, but I think that that's how it's operating. And that that's in a way sad, but it's probably in a way good for the West Tigers Har- because if if they're not interested in you know assisting that development pathway and making it as strong as they possibly can, then you need to make sure that you're looking after it and funneling those plays too. And I think their current predicament has got a lot to do with that decision being made because there weren't players coming through that
1: stream.
0: No. So they moved to make that decision and take that control away and, and take control of themselves because they, they could see that it was hurting and it was hurting their results and hurting their development and hurting the amount of players that they should have progressing through into flag Cup and, and NRL. But yeah, West Ligas fans, it's, it's going to be a... Uh, long burn you know similar to the Dogs and similar to the Broncos and mm. similar I guess to what the Knights and the Panthers are sort of the Panthers have come through and the Knights have sort of you're seeing grass uh, green grass coming through so
1: and like we said there's going to be a long tail because again when we got there there was no development there was no Cubs program there was nothing like that so as long as they maintain I thought it hard,
0: I thought it hard to see match surviving to the end of it knowing how cannibalistic the club is and how, how um, unrealistic they are in terms of where where they are as a team and a squad. Like They, they, they would honestly think that they should be playing finals for you. Like they're so far off finals, and
1: being a consistently good NRL team, it's not funny. Well, again, I said it before, they've signed 18 players since he took over, and preaching on all the things they've talked about, you're not going to get the best of the best, but I think it speaks to more... Desperation, in my opinion, when you pick up guys like a Joey Leilua, Jimmy the Jet, and you pay overs when they're and in no. They're talking about Pango junior with all due respect, like he's like, not. It's not fixing the not problem. Product. No, Offer of Hen wasn't playing well. They picked him up. They got Capoa from the Roosters for cheap. But again, if the Roosters generally let someone go, whether he's a good junior or not, it's probably saying that they're not, you know, too worried that he's going to be breaking into their side. Probably the best move out of the 18 names I've got in front of me from my recollection that they've signed is Dane Laurie so far mm. Utu Kamano he
0: was,
1: he was a swap yeah Utu Kamano was also a good player but he's got some time to develop into a straight up first grader and then you know of the guys that were moved on yeah there were some ones from Ivan Maddaleno Reynolds McQueen etc. that needed to be moved on the Madison situation is still unclear what happened there but he was a good player who was unhappy Alia is another one who didn't like where the club was at moved on um, and then you talk about others that, you know, even though that Benji was older and not defending them quite well, I, I could see much worse players, uh, and, you know. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather have him on my Than some of them they've got now. And, you know, swapping out of Momorowski and looking at the way that he's playing now, or when Melbourne were willing to take him or he was at the Roosters, like, I honestly would prefer to have Momorowski than Jimmy the Jet. Like, yep. But, yeah, overall, I could go through all 18 names, but I've already just named a couple. But when you've got guys like that and you're looking at another guy like Pengai Jr., if you've signed 18, if you've re-signed a majority of the others and the only two left are Packer and buy, it's time to stop blaming things on a previous regime. But Yeah, but all that's, the, that's the long story as to how you get results like that. <laughs> but to say that we need to rebuild the roster, they've already tried to rebuild the roster over the last two and a half years. If you've signed 18 players, you've rebuilt the roster. And it's speaking to the situation that they're in, what we're talking about, that generally... You're getting they've up. Rebuilt, they've
0: rebuilt the roster incorrectly.
1: Yeah, but you, the situation the club's at, like we're saying, because it needs to be revamped top to bottom, or the whole situation. Yeah, you no, know,
0: I'm, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Yeah. I'm saying they've rebuilt the roster, but they've done it incorrectly.
1: What's available to you, unfortunately, given the situation of the club, is other people's rejects, guys that you're going to have to pay overs for, or people that are just looking for a job. And for the most part, of all the names that have been brought up, there's not a lot of people, I think, that have gone there with best intention.
0: That's also when you uh, get yourself into trouble
1: when you just think well oh, he's the only one on the market or, I'll just sign him. Yeah. And well, that, you should. You that's should You just quick, Quickest way to get yourself back in trouble after pointing the finger yeah. at somebody else saying oh well he ruined the salary cap it's hot. Like, well if you do a clean out right now your cap's not going to be better any better again. Correct. Because you're starting from square one. Like, Yeah. I think they can opt out of Leilua this year. They can opt out of Jet <laughs> who's not on a lot. They'll free up a little bit yeah, of money there. I'll be getting out of both then. But, you know, again, as far as where they go from there, there's been a lot of talk this week that someone like a Finucane would be great, which is 100% true. But who says that Dal Finucane wants to spend the back end of his career at the West Tigers? Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah,
0: and how much are you going to pay him to get him there? They've signed yeah.
1: a James Tarmow on reasonable money this year to come in and be a leader who's played rep football, who was captain of a young panda side last year to try and change culture. And even he looked dumbfounded on the weekend. He doesn't look like He's quit. He doesn't look like he's off the coach, but he looks similar to what we explained there, where he looks just absolutely exhausted and dumbfounded by the situation of the club. Yeah. So I don't know how you fix it, but again, and you speak to development. The only other one that came in my head in the last two and a half years who's debuted, who's actually a West or Balmain junior, not someone who was bought, not someone who was bought in at flag or cup or NRL level. I think the only one, and again, Tigers fans are Probably have a better idea Than me But I do watch a lot Of junior football I think the only one Is Alex Safarth Who was a Balmain junior There you go So when we talk About development getting people through um, In the last two and a half years Or by the end of this season Right now He's the only one I think that was Purely from their pathway So we're not including A Jock Madden Or a Talao Who were bought At Fleg or Ball Age Who were Newcastle Or Bulldogs bought, yeah, bought, Or Simkins and Hoffman Bought at 18 years old From Queensland Systems Etc I'm not saying They haven't developed them They have when we talk about pure development, because I've said this before, there's a difference between different clubs and how they develop players, but when they everyone goes, oh, what about their juniors, this pathway like we're talking about, if you want a pure pure result of where it's at right now, he's the only one I can think of in the last three years, Alex Safarth. So, uh, a lot That's to be true. done, and again, fuck knows where you start, because if they fire Madge, which I think they will, and even with those other changes, it's not going to be fixed overnight. It really isn't. Yeah, there you go, man. But even like you're saying, instead of spending top dollar on someone, like, go find, and I know it probably wasn't his best game of the weekend, but I'm sure they're not paying me a lot. They need to find more blokes like your Luke Garner's of the world, in my opinion. Blokes that probably aren't on huge coin, but just haven't on his crack. Well, um, Brandon Turneth played, um, he played a couple in the weekend. I think
0: it might have been his debut, so he's won... West Tigers fan. Brandon Toomuth, he's going yep. to be a first grader. From
1: Balmain, he's good. Yeah,
0: he's a, he's a machine. Um, so it surprised me that he's playing cup because he's only... I think he was you young ball this year. He might only be 18 or maybe he's 19, I'm not sure.
1: He's a good uh, player. Yeah, he's... But they just need more honest brand. workers like, rather than, like I said, if you well, want to
0: read... He's... he's, 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 he's uh, in my opinion, yeah, he could... He could he could easily go on and, you know, play 100 plus first grade
1: games for the club. So Yeah, but forget... You
0: know, I, really, I, really hope, I really hope he does because he's one of those guys that's come through that.
1: Yeah, but forget that's, buying that's, that's, your $600,000 lay lures hoping you can get a result. Go spend two three hundred on a grinder from another
0: yeah, club. Yeah, but like looking at it now, like I'm looking at the list now, but Reese Hoffman's another one that sort of came through that Cubs program. Uh, but, but other than that...
1: Yeah, they bought him from Queensland as well.
0: Yeah. yeah, but he sort of came into in around that Cubs.
1: Point being, though, they need to get more to the foundations of what they're talking about. If they're talking about tough, working hard, all these other bits and pieces, yeah. don't go spend $650,000 on Jerry Layla rolling the dice on talent. Go cherry-pick some guys out of squads who might be mid-tier guys and try and build something steady or tough for a few years to get yourself into a position where maybe you can jag a couple of guys and push some of your kids through and not lock yourself up constantly in these situations. So Yeah, um, and
0: they are. They're on top of Jersey Flag, so...
1: Hopefully some of those guys push through because um, it's desperately needed, that's for sure. But interest out, plays out. No idea where they go from here, but there's a lot of change that needs to be had. But if the coach goes, I don't know where they go from here. And if they rebuild the roster again, well, good luck to them. But... Lots of uh, lots of things you could talk all day about it, but tackle four. Another one, I uh, didn't expect to go that long with the Tigers, but another one that a lot of people have been talking about is the Broncos situation, and again, another one I'm kind of sick of hearing about and just the difference in media perspective this year because it's Kevin Walters and not Anthony Seabold um, and the change in narrative for him at the start about it's broken and I can fix it and we should play finals football until look at the mess and we've got all these injuries and like it's the whole narrative's changed quickly, and the old boys and other guys around it, and everyone because Kevy's you know a good bloke. And again, it's nothing personal with Kevy, but this points to a similar situation. It's not all Seabold's fault, it's not all Kevy's fault, it's not all Wayne's fault, but everyone has some responsibility in it. But the bigger problem here is the Broncos as a whole. There's been an issue. Top to bottom in terms of the way things were run With the CEO Paul White Recruitment and head of football Carl Morris, Peter Nolan Lockyer on the board And the way they've recruited, retained Spent their money, their salary cap And it goes back further But in the old essence of everything And purely what we brought up at the start In particular with Kevin Wallace In this situation You've hired someone purely off a popularity contest Who hasn't coached before Who struggled to coach at an origin level And I think it was a terrible fucking idea
0: yeah, I'm writing an article on this at the moment um, and sort of going quite
1: deep into it. But uh, yeah, I think it it just screams of weak leadership. But even like the last few days, like him and Gordy are talking yesterday, like oh well, we got a, it's a weaker roster now, isn't it? Like you you lost Darius and Jack. Yeah, it's like they're, they're, hold, hold on a minute. Yeah. That, that's, that's oh yeah. That, we and we lost that, we, we lost Andrew McCulloch. I'm like you fucking got rid of Andrew McCulloch, Same as Seabold tried to, and you got rid of Jack Bird. And yeah, Reece, the Reese Walsh was excuse was, oh well, he's an eighteen year old. You know, I think he needed more time. Well, you just played T C Rabada, who's eighteen years old. So clearly, you don't have a problem fucking playing kids. And you're saying you're trying to protect Reese Walsh? Like, just you fucked up. He's gone into self-protection mode. And like, now that now that the story's leaked and
0: players are starting to talk, and you know, I find it interesting that Gordon Taylor said that you know he's going to out the players, he knows who they are. Why didn't do that for Sebok? Because this is how this is how the, this is how the this was the start of the end for Seabolt players started complaining and the media got a hold of it and then the media ran with it And I, I don't understand Seabolt was a former player I know he wasn't loved by the Broncos former Broncos but he wasn't loved based on the way that the team was playing and the results they were getting Kevy's getting no better results so why isn't he getting the same treatment mm. Mm. like the old boys jumping up and down they're yes. just using Seabolt as the excuse for what
1: Kevy's basically producing but Seabold was dealing with the same cards. Mm. And again, he chose to move a couple of those guys on, as Seabold chose to move some older guys on. But then they said, oh, this mess is all Seabold's fault. Well, Seabold didn't even get to finish what he started. He inherited from Wayne Bennett some terrible contracts. (coughs) Maguire was on 800000 Jimmy the Jet was fucking getting drunk and not turning up. Nick wanted to play halves and wanted big money. Wasn't going to be re-signed. Gillette had a neck problem and they got into retirement. They couldn't get rid of Darius. Milford's million dollars was still there. McCulloch, yeah. again, was moved on by Kevvy and also Seabold was on 600000 So don't tell me he had fucking, you know, a perfect situation. He didn't get to work through it either. He went no. through 18 months. He moved on a lot of those guys to try and retain some of the young guys. Yes, he did have some <laughs> and, say. And, and they,
0: they, what's also forgotten is they, they made the finals in 2019. They did. So, realistically, and, like if they're going to sack Seabold, they should be sacking Kevvy because they only gave Seabolt one year of shit and Kevvy's had one year of shit and it's not turning around for him so based on, on that thought process and they, they should poke Kevvy as well right? you know, I, don't, I don't think they should but based on their thought and reasoning around moving Seabolt on then
1: I know they got flogged in that game against Parramatta, but they still made finals. Yeah, well, the best thing I think that's happened right now is they're getting people starting to funnel in from the top, I think, that they're yeah. doing a much they're better job. So. Be unreal for them, yeah, and Dave Donahue is, knows yeah, what unreal. success looks like. He's come from Melbourne. He's reassessing things right now. You get Iken in there, and these sort of things might help Kev, but at the end of the day, even if they put a lot of good things in place, I still don't think he's a long-term coach. That yeah. was... From the start, nothing to do with the Seabold situation, Bennett, any of the contracts, anything going on with the club. I just don't think he's an arrow coach, plain and simple. Yeah. Um, whether that proves to be the point, I'm sure Donahue's assessing that now. I can work with him. They'll assess that over the next 12 months. But um, this situation, like I said, is spread responsibility across a lot of people, but more so a result of the club in itself. So Paul White, Peter Nolan, Morris Lockyer, that retention committee, the coaches have some say in contracts or what they do want to do or what they don't want to do, etc. But for the most part, even on that side of things, that board and their decisions there has been horrendous. Yeah. I agree. Um, there's a lot that's going to be cleaned out. Um, but the other thing as well, just some of the comments, even the other day, about like, oh, why Tavita? And he's like, oh, no, no reason. And it's like, well, there is a fucking reason. Like, you're saying you're a good communicator, but you just be upfront. Yeah, exactly. Like you know why, and then Lodge basically called it out. At least was blunt enough to say, "Ask Kevy." Like, and then he's saying, "Oh, Lodge's been one of our best, but it, you know, it's a salary cap thing." It's like, well, just say that for Devita as well, then. If that's what it is, like it's pretty plain and obvious to see that you're sitting yeah. there probably looking at both of them and going, "Okay, uh, I need money. You're on eight hundred thousand. He's on six fifty, etc." You're two guys I'm looking at, thinking, "Well, I could use that money elsewhere." There's mm. just, just own it. And oh, I don't know why. Like, And I think it's obvious as well. Like, It'd be pretty easy to figure out, I think, who the few guys are complaining. are. It'd be a few of the older guys who will come near the end of their time who probably don't have office from elsewhere. So on that side of things, there probably are some bullshit comments coming out from a few disgruntled people. But but overall, like I said, taking all that out of it, I went back to our, my opinion before this even started and the fact that whether you like Seabolt or not, it's not even defending Seabolt on the side of things. I just think they could have got somebody better than Kevin Walters. They got pressured into this situation as a result of him not getting the job the first time.
0: Again, it's a soft leadership decision.
1: And I just think that they're they're the Brisbane fucking Broncos. They could have had almost anybody if they really wanted to. Yeah. And this is a decision that they made. And I still don't see it being best long-term. There's some positives starting to happen at the top, which will funnel through over time, and it's going to take time. But I just still don't think he's the long-term option. But um, Reynolds for next year. Still talk about Sewer and a couple of other guys being pursued to come up there. Gagai's still on the radar. Um, see what happens, I guess. But, um, yeah, even like this year, like they signed Branko from Melbourne for two years. He's still playing cut. Like, I don't really look at that and think that's you know a, a solid move. It's more a squad player. Then they, they were talking about buying Jordan Pereira from the Dragons, who I think is steady again. But that, that's not really a move that's changing anything for the Broncos. Yeah. Like th- this is not usually what you'd associate in the past, and then early in the year they were desperate to keep Jordan Riki, sign him for three years. He's not playing, so yeah, ha- have yeah, they made exactly. a, have they made a mistake there already? Have yeah. they, ch- have, they ch- have they changed their opinion? Like is it like I don't know if he's injured now, but a couple of weeks ago he wasn't injured. He wasn't getting a run. Yeah, um, sure. I'm just I'm a bit confused, and then like the comments about Walsh again gave me the shits in saying that because at the same time they went out and spent $400,000 to keep Brendan Peacura who's 18 years old and they're going to play T.C. Robati at 18 so don't tell me oh he's 18 I think he needed a cut more like mate, the things have never been easier to introduce an 18 year old spine player whether it be a 1, a 6, a 7 or a 9 given the way that the rules are going Yeah, it was p- painted all over him and I even watched their trials on Facebook Live when they played a Queensland Cup team that they almost lost during the pre-season, winning Manly, and Rhys Walsh was the best fucking player on the field. Hmm. So if you can't figure that out, you got got yeah, to... Prob- exactly. Yeah, like, no, it's not even... Yeah. yeah. But for Brisbane fans and for everyone, like, it's a frustrating situation, but I think... do give that oxygen. Two good starts. Donahue, I think, is a positive. Icon's another positive. And hopefully for everybody up there, that is the beginning of some change. And they need to let go of pointing fingers and we've gone over it a million times now, whether it be Bennett, Sevald, Kevy, right now, they just need to sit down and do exactly what they're doing right now from the top down and making decisions on, you know, is he the right coach? If not, well, if you've made a fucking mistake, just own it now. That's right. Just pull the Band-Aid, be the Brisbane Broncos, go out. And we talked about this the other day. uh, As soon as they hired Ike and I thought the whole Wayne Bennett thing that was gaining momentum is out of the equation because I'm pretty sure they don't see eye to eye. And I don't know if the club... yeah, I don't know if the club could ever mend those fences, but if not, I'm sure if they hit the market with the changes they're making right now, an operator like Donaghy, somewhere like Iken in there, still with some good players, not great players, like they're still going to take some turnaround, but it is a big club, I'm sure they could jag a decent coach. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what plays out there. But yeah, between those two, there's a fair bit going on at the Tigers and uh, also the Broncos uh, after the week that has been, that's for sure. Uh, tackle five, I guess. The COVID bubble. It's back. Level three. It only affects the greater Sydney team. Some guys wouldn't be affected if they've taken a trip during the bye week, but for everybody else within that setup now, they're back to the point of training only exercise or going out for food. Hopefully we don't see an effect for multiple weeks and crowds and games for now. I think they said crowds will be fifty percent. <laughs> Yeah. So it's probably a good time for us to have the bye week. Hopefully, we get through this and control the cluster. And by the week after, get back to some sense of normality. But it'd be disappointing if this carried on for a few weeks. And I'm hoping it's not going to be a, a decider. But if we got to Origin three in Queensland, did manage to win game two, you really don't want that to be under a restricted crowd. It'd be,
0: i would be filthy if it was. It'd be very it disappointing. Last, it was last year. I
1: reckon. It was. It was fifty percent when we went.
0: Yeah, there
1: uh, you go um, If it was a dead rubber I probably wouldn't care as much But still I'd rather a full house But if it was a decider and shorter, this... shorter bar lines Oh yeah But if it managed to get to this situation uh, That'd be very disappointing If it was a decider mm. But fingers crossed um, It is not the case Melbourne, the storm That is their situation I think they were looking to head back Hopefully well, the, the mail I've got is that The numbers are going to get worse Before they get better Oh, that's not good. And that's from someone inside New South Wales Health, yeah. Some, yeah I, I don't know. I'm just passing on what they've told me. But, yeah, I'd, they're sort of getting prepared, I think, to,
0: um, you know, I think they're talking about lockdowns and things, which is, yeah, that would just put an end to attending the game at all. So they, they might even look at moving it if it's can't be attending at all. So hopefully the COVID numbers can really improve in, Sydney in
1: the next, you know, fortnight. Yeah, I guess we'll wait and see, but uh, not good. Uh, it was just after, like we said, it looks like the Melbourne situation is almost under control, so I think the Storm are trying to head back for their next home game. Yeah. Possibly. Um, but, yeah, for the Sydney side of things, it would be disappointing it coming closer to finals time. Hopefully, it'd be at least resolved by then, but mm. an origin game on the horizon, if it was a decider and or if this dragged on far closer to the finals, that'd be, yeah something we definitely don't want we don't want the competition being affected by it again with teams having to fly in and out and back and forth or a possibility of moving it again it's just yeah it's it's, every time it seems like it's just starting to flatten out or you know be under control there just seems to be a little bubble on the carpet every now and then
0: don't get me fucking started on how slow the vaccines are rolling out like, the vaccine surely is the golden key, isn't it? It's the golden ticket. Like, if everyone's vaccinated, then fucking we don't have to worry
1: about it. Oh, don't start me on vaccinations. I'm with yeah, you. Anyway. To, there's a lot of people out there who argue that have no fucking idea what they're talking about. So. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so, yeah. I'm not, I'm not pro, for, pro, I'm just saying that. No, nah, I'm with you. Like, but if, we've, if we've got it and most of us have, are vaccinated, then fuck what the others I do, don't, I don't care. Nah, I've, had, I've had, had a lot to of... You. To just go and get it and yeah. act like, you know normal humans so I guess we yeah I, I don't know I just, it's been fucking dragging off forever mm-hmm. uh, so whoever's responsible I don't know who's responsible I don't follow government that closely but I, I would imagine it's a federal initiative that's that's managed by the state government so you know they need to get this roller going and like you get fucking Brad Hazard and there, like he's the one that oversaw Ruby Princess and he's fucking giving us a lecture on what we can and can't do and you know, putting it on us about, you know, we got, you, you hold Sydney Siders' lives in your own hands and what you do and it's like, fucking come on mate. You do your job and then,
1: you know, we'll, we'll worry about us. You just fucking do your job confidently. Good luck with that. Yeah. think yeah. tackle six and the final one we got here, the player pole. Always interested to see what the players think and uh, first thing that popped up is obviously who is the best player in the game and uh, this year
0: Cleary would have won it by straight, he?
1: Nathan Cleary yeah and not far behind Tommy So, uh, in the players opinion Cleary was 33% Tommy Trebovich was 24 Tedesco down to 18% and then they had Reader's opinion the Reader's had Tommy Turbo at 42% Nathan second and Tedesco third so, I guess you, you could make an argument with the form uh, that Tommy Sharm, in recent times, between those two right now, as far as... Yeah, I do
0: ahead of Tedesco. Yeah, I don't
1: I'm think Munster's been ahead. that good this year for Melbourne, in all honesty, but I don't think there's been anyone better. better. Certainly no one's been better than uh, Cleary and uh, Turbo, that's for sure. But, Teddy, different year, lots of troops missing, still trying hard, but definitely not having the same impact on the game, so... No surprise to see him fall out of that top spot. The best coach by the player's opinion. No surprise again. Craig Bellamy, top of the pop, 30%. Ivan Cleary, not far behind, 26 Wayne Bennett at 13 And the readers, 56%. Craig Bellamy, 14 Ivan Cleary, Robertson, 11%. So, well, that's,
0: that's
1: as we saying, Craig Bellamy again. I don't think need... Ricky Stewart didn't make the list. No, nah, no sticky. <laughs> sticky. Sticky. And uh, best fullback, I think that one's pretty obvious after the way he's played this year. Tommy Trebovich, in terms of what the players think at thirty-two percent. Teddy's still at twenty-three, Roger at fifteen, the Readers fifty-six percent for Tommy. Twenty-one yeah. for Teddy. I think again the impact on the game this year, it's you know, far and away. Tommy as the one winger, Brian Toto, almost fifty percent for the players. 27 for Addo Car Morris, 11 before he shredded his knee. And the readers, pretty similar percentages. Brian Totto, almost at 50% as well as the best winger in the comp. Best center, this is a hard one, I, I think. that This is pretty open, but for the players, it's Joey Marnie at 30%. Stephen Crichton, I think, had a very quiet year at 20. Uh, An Olam. He has had a very quiet year. Yeah, I agree with that. Justin Olam at 10%. But uh, as far as readers are concerned, they're far and away... On Joey Manu, He's at 44. Crichton again at 14. But Burton snuck in after his form this year uh, at centre at 11. And people still voted for Katani Staggs even though he hasn't played a game, which is surprising. But, yeah. Best 5-8. Again, for the players, it was almost a split vote. Jerome Luai by 1%. Held out. Cameron Munster at 34. And Munster was 33. Sean Johnson, 10%. And for the readers, Munster... One forty-three 43% Lewi 42 Keery got some votes halfback I don't even think I need to really go through this the players 74% Nathan Cleary next best Jerome Hughes at 8% and for the fan vote 75% was for Cleary Daly Cherry Evans at 10% Reynolds at 5 Uh you know a small difference I guess in the podium there but far and away the best number 7 it's it's Cleary by a mile. The one that made me the happiest because a lot of people actually didn't disagree, but I see a lot of people out there with opinions. The best prop in the game, and rightfully so, the fish, fifty percent. James Fisher-Harris. Yeah. Next up, Fanua Blake, who's missed a lot of games, thirteen. Haas at thirteen percent, and uh, Readers, they were they were in agreement with the players, forty percent for the fish, twenty for Haas. Fanua Blake, Papali, eleven. Uh, again, on on game time missing and form this year. Uh, yeah, I don't agree with that. But the fish, by far and away this year, is the standout prop. Best hooker, again, with limited game time, uh, Harry Grant, 43% for the players. Arpie Coruscant, 30%. And the readers, they've also got Harry Grant, but they've got Damien Cook up at 25%, RP at 18 So probably shows the difference there between players and the readers. In, in the other one for the players, RP's at 30%. Damien Cook's down at 12%. Damien. Damien. best second row. Kick out for the players at thirty nine percent for Feeder at twenty four. Papali at twelve. I reckon Papali's been better than both of them this year. Papali's had an outstanding season. Consistency wise, and I think Crichton should be up there as well. But for the lit- readers, kick out for Feeder, Crichton, and then Papali. I think if you're talking about value for money this year, Papali's certainly been that. And uh, lock. He's been good, hasn't he, for He's the... He's been outstanding. ...for the For the Oh, yes, sir, thank you. Uh, Yo, at 30%. Tamalolo, still at 20 Jake, at 16 for the players and for the readers. Yo, also, up the top there again, at 30%. So, I don't use it. Uh, you love bikinis, don't you?
0: you lo-
1: do. Love who? Bikinis. Statistics, they only tell part of the story, mate. They love bikinis. Excellent. So... Mm. You like a bit of data and a poll. Matt, the old player poll always surprised me, but just the difference between players and and readers. In particular, that one I found interesting. Anyone I've made that argument with a few times about Cook and Coruscant, I'm like, I don't know what footy games you're watching, but he's formed the last 18 months and the manipulation and other things that Coruscant does. I think it's small stuff that uh, to the general eye you might miss. That's all. That's all. Best captain. They've got uh, Roger. Don't think... Any surprise? The most impressive rookie. It's a very, very open category this year, but Sam Walker for the players at fifty three percent. Reese Walsh was next up at twenty-one. So we've yeah. seen Schuster, Laurie. There's been a couple of the guys there, but uh, certainly Walker has made a huge impact. Niggler I and like Walsh over Walker. Chambers has only been back for a few weeks. He's still the number one sledger and Niggler, according to the all the players. And to the players, they've got a Nathan. Of the boys at uh, Mounties, New South Wales attest to that. Because mm. He played there against Mounties and for Newtown.
0: For I think he only played one game in Cup, then he was straight back into first grade. But a few of the boys were saying he's good on the tongues.
1: Mm. Starting a club tomorrow, the players said that they would thirty eight percent would take Nathan Cleary, twenty two, Tommy Turbo, and eleven Roger. So still a lot of respect for Roger, despite his age and the fact he's moving on. So it probably speaks, like we said, to the opinion of the bloke. I can't believe Harry Green isn't in that. And uh, best buy of the year, well I've just mentioned it before. Papali, fifty-one percent. Mm. Dane Laurie, sixteen, David Fafita, sixteen, according to the players.
0: Pino didn't get a mention.
1: Nope. And uh, who's gonna win the comp according to the players, it's a two horse race, as most of us think. Forty two percent say the storm forty Penrith and there's a small 10% on the Bunnies I don't know,
0: the South those.
1: Mm, no surprise the team that everyone loves to beat is the Melbourne Storm yep. and if you had to leave your club to sign with another one surprise surprise again Melbourne Storm Roosters. Mm. Nah, Melbourne were 33% the Roosters 7 17 and surprisingly the Broncos are the third favourite at 16% so they still hold a bit of prestige just need to uh, yeah. turn things around I guess That side of things is uh, always interesting for me to look at, but the second part of it goes down to rules and this, that, and the other, and that's the crazy thing here. A lot of people are talking about concussions. Did people disguise symptoms to stay on the field? 73% of the players said they do, which is no surprise. Do they increase the increased use of the sin bin? 70% of the players disagree with it. And the biggest yeah, yeah. issue, and there's plenty of issues, they were split on this. 20% said the rules. 20% said the match review and judiciary system. 17% said concussion. 16% said refereeing. <laughs> so there's a lot of things tied in around a lot of those changes this year Yeah. Uh, that they're, they're not happy with, obviously. And Do you believe there's been too many rule changes in the past 12 months? 82% said yes. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I, I agree. And in terms of uh, the speed of the game, a lot of them, 64% think it's the right speed 35 say it's too fast so probably a, a about little
0: about 35% of the middles
1: <laughs> yeah, most likely is the six again a positive addition to the support uh, 65 35 again so 65 say yes 35 say no i think that last year would have been a bit different the 2 point field goal 85% like it the captain's challenge still say only 1, 35% say 2. On a scale of 1 to 5, the performance of the admin. So last year, with uh, saving things and getting it back on track, they got a a 3.5 this year down to 2.9. So only a 3.5 last year. mm, Well, compared to previous years, when you look at the scores, it was pretty high. (laughs) Their thoughts on the refs have dropped. The refs last year were at 3.35, 2.98 on a scale of 5. Uh, They asked them about Israel Folau returning under strict conditions. 80% said they're happy for him to return. Should the... Oh, there you go. We just spoke about should the vaccine be mandatory for all staff and players. 82% said no. (laughs) Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it should
1: be a personal choice. Uh, There's some other stuff here about social media and a few other ones. Um, Probably aren't as much for the game. Should they change eligibility rules for other nations to take part in state of origin? 71% said no, I agree with that. Is there enough talent to cater for a seven-eighth team? 85% of the players say yes. Yeah, of course they do. (laughs) The conference system, 80% say no. Yeah. It's not their decision. Ah, I get that. And for transfer window, we've talked about this before and what people think. Do they like the current system? Should they have a transfer at the middle and end of the year or one window or at the end of the year? 54% are fine with the current system which realistically we don't have a system Um, 38% say we should have windows at the middle and the end and 8% said one at the end of the year in the end
0: they should have had a a poll do you like getting paid
1: yep and this is the other one I found funny should the NRL prevent players from earning more if they walk out on their deals 65% said no well if you sign a deal you can't just walk out on it unfortunately and a lot tried to but if they did bring in some restrictions, that would obviously incentivise people to actually stick to a contract. Yeah. Fines and suspensions for misbehaviour, 75% disagree. Uh, this is great. Judiciary process, 80% are not happy with it, etc. So I always find that interesting to go through the player part. That's not had
0: enough
1: for the fucking players, bro. We're done. It's all right. Just always intrigues me, that's all. Yeah. To see what the players think of the game. Alright, quick run through the games that happened on the weekend. The first one doesn't really need much explanation. 46-0. South over the Broncos. Another shellacking. Uh, similar thing you could probably say every week for about 20 minutes. They look like they're having a dig and then it just turned into an absolute trouncing and they'll beat to death. Yep, yeah, move on. Next game. Fair enough. Sharks-Cowboys. Yeah. This was an interesting game. At least a bit of a contest, but the finish very disappointing and we talk about the rules and the inconsistencies I do not know what, what the fuck you want Reese Robson to do in this situation no he dipped
0: first
1: I know but they're talking about go low well he went to go low first and then Tolman decided to duck his head so it was an accident and then he got sin binned and at the pinnacle of a game where I'm not saying they win but all the wind went out of the sails right then and there we we're looking at a good finish and then he got sent to the sin bin like if, if that's not the definition of an accident much like the tokiyaho one with the slip in the rain and his arms tucked the side, like honestly if if we can't figure out the difference after a couple of weeks and, and tell the difference between an accident and something that's intentional or like on it, it it's it's clear as day that robson's dipped first to make a low tackle and talman's followed him down yeah i don't know what we want out of that situation but um, for the Cowboys It's a bad trend of them getting behind And then trying to find their way back into games They need to stop that um, Obviously that edge has got to tighten up The new edge we've did and etc And that'll hopefully happen with more games together The Sharks, a couple of ugly wins But you know, after things sort of got sorted out Fitzgibbon operating in the background there And a couple of guys being pushed down to cups and big names uh, they've At least found a bit of fight So positive there if you're a Sharkies fan
0: They, um what's that how many is that in a row for shots four? Uh, I think got... it's four wins in a row so yeah they're on a bit of a roll mm. time of the year like some cheap wins but they needed to do it
1: mm. fighting their way probably into the bottom half of the eight if they keep going yeah. so the one pointer over the Panthers two pointer over the Cowboys um, prior to that beat the Titans by 38 one pointer against the Dragons. So, yeah, they had three tight wins before that. They lost to South, so that is four in a row. There you go. So, winning them ugly, but doesn't matter. Getting the job done. Panthers, Roosters. Pan- oh, the Roosters turned up in the conditions, played it well, made a good start and got the 12 points. But, again, I think Penrith was starting to turn the momentum, but all the wind went out of the sails once Tokyo got put in the bin, and Penrith took full advantage. They scored. Yeah three times and in the second half it was an absolute clinical I'm not saying the Roosters would have won but I certainly think that period took any wind out of the sails considering how undermanned they still are and um, Pender threw out their dominant best Cleary was put on an absolute master class uh, they did not care the fact it was wet they kicked well but they still tried to play their football and Liam Martin certainly playing good football since he got back Ty crossed over a couple of times in the corners and uh, overall after losing Two games and resting their origin players, uh, they were back to business. Yeah, they
0: um, the Roosters started really strongly, didn't they? They they really punched Penrith in the mouth, but uh, yeah, the the Panthers just steadied and away they went, didn't they? That was um, it was impressive. It's it's always impressive to watch a team like Penrith get challenged by a good side like the Roosters and see how they respond and. They responded really well, so mm. it's a, it was a good sign, and I know they needed to, um, they needed a win, and they needed to get back, um, I guess, into, the, into that winning way, so yeah, it's it all positive for the for the pennies, it was good, good to be out there as well, and watch a game, and it was raining, and a bit miserable, and I was still a bit crook, but um, we braved the weather, and uh, it was good, good night, massive crowd there, yeah, it was just good. I like watching a bit of a wetland
1: footy. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, that, that moment was a bit disappointing and both coaches said as much afterwards about the inconsistency with that rule, which we saw across the weekend. But uh, at the end of the day, good football side. Uh, I think they would have found their way into the game anyway, but I just don't know if it would have blown out as much as it did without that sort of period, which really opened the gate for them when they kicked the door down and grabbed three tries, so... Um, disappointing but full credit again to the Roosters still fighting on despite the amount of troops they've got missing and Penrith an important win, the Warriors Knights game 10-6, the conditions were absolutely horrendous Um, wind, rain, high speed absolute nightmare if you're someone at the back Walsh like you said when they were kicking in the wind to him, the way the ball was moving around a lot of balls bounced, a lot of drop balls, lots of errors in general, not a lot of flash football played at the end of the day very important win for either of these teams to try and maintain touch with that log jam, and uh, as was that Sharks on the Cowboys to pull themselves into that log jam at the bottom end there. But Newcastle got the job done, and I think the big play of the game was the Braille save on Walsh to stop him scoring that try because at the back end there,
2: what a tackle! Brother.
1: Yeah, they score with three minutes to go, and uh, they get the job done, and obviously having Pierce back in, even in that weather, like just. Small stuff, controlling, kicking, giving them a bit of direction. It made a big difference for the Knights.
0: Yeah, the Knights were. Um, it was just an ugly ass game, man. Really, It wasn't it? Like, hard one to watch, but uh, yeah, got the job. Got the job done. And it's all that it's matters. One, it's not one that you're going to frame and, and rewatch, but uh, yeah, it was. It was good enough to win.
1: And I guess for them, the important thing is hopefully. This week off and the week after, they get closer to seeing Ponga and a couple of other guys come back. I know Frizzell, obviously, was going to be six to eight weeks. We know that they've just lost best of that kind of period, so there's still a few guys that are further a distance away, but Pierce is a good start. Ponga would be the next step to add to that. Clifford looked like he gelled pretty well with Pierce and he's kicking game that win. He had a field day with some of those bombs he was putting up, so um, they're still in that mix. Like we said, it was an important win to get, but... Yeah, we'll see how they kick them from here. And for the Warriors, uh, just can't seem to get the same team on the field week in, week out. Don't know where they go from here. they have obviously trying to make some mid-season moves. They debuted the young nine that we talked about a few times, Tanya Otacolo. thought he was solid um, considering he had the whole year off last year with COVID, played SG ball before that. But I think they just, given the circumstance they're under, they just keep doing what they're doing. Keep rolling kids through Keep building things up. They've re-signed a lot of guys recently. They're working their way through their roster. Um, guess that's all you can really do when you're under the circumstances they are. Yeah, exactly. Dragons, Raiders, 22-20. If you're a Raiders fan, this had to have been heartbreaking. Um, started so well, 12-zip, and it's the trend of the year, isn't it, for Canberra? Every time you think they're going to go on with the performance or look, look like they're going to produce the goods... They shoot themselves in the foot or the errors creep in and some defensive lapses and at half time they went in with the Dragons scoring one late and getting back in the lead. Got a try early second half and I thought, okay, maybe they'll turn things around and it turned out to be another second half loss where they get run down. And For the Dragons, uh, obviously copping a bit of criticism. Lost to the Bulldogs, lost to the Tigers twice. A lot of people saying, well, if you can't win those games, you can't play finals football. But Found a bit of spark in the second half. Ben Hunt had an impact on the game. Sloan on debut. uh, You know, not physically dominant from the back, but certainly did his job for an 18-year-old kid. Had a nice moment there with the chip and chase, linking up with Norman, who threw a nice offload. And uh, they just come home with a wet sail in the second half. A lot of confidence. A lot of uh, good efforts in terms of guys there, I guess. Leading from the front from their older crew, Hunt, Norman, Vaughan's impact off the bench and offload for a try. Those couple of guys sticking their hand up and for Canberra. Really, really tough situation now because if they could have strung that one back-to-back with some of the games that we spoke about the other week that are coming up, probably put themselves in a position. But uh, with those ahead winning and kind of pushing that logjam further away, they're now in a position where they probably need to definitely get on a run if they're going to have any chance to play finals football. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Getting further and
0: further
1: away It's going to have to be a hefty run Yeah, it's getting further away Unfortunately for the Raiders And I I just don't see where it turns around I really don't From what we've watched so far And um, another second half Like we said Rundown Where Get a lead And just Can't close out Which A few years ago It was shootouts And they couldn't defend couple of years prior you know the last two years we've sort of associated that they could score points but more importantly the defensive attitude was awesome but right now they're stuttering on both sides they're not scoring as many points they're very clunky in attack and defensively they've lost a lot of that resilience they had so uh, multiple issues for the Canberra to address Storm Tigers we don't even need to talk about that one um, embarrassing and even as a Melbourne fan not really impressed because I just don't think they, they didn't have to try it, it looked like a training run The Tigers basically opened up for them
2: Yeah
1: So that was pretty sad Like people talk about that Going like how exciting I? That's not. That's really not exciting to watch Yeah it was a fault it was, it was sad That If that was going to be classified as anything Melbourne get 25 years for murder But let's not talk about that game 20 years for bad taste <laughs> Eels, dogs, 36-10 Um tight first half half
0: 10-6
1: they brought the fight second half uh, the Eels on the back of penalty try and then generating a bit of momentum and going the other way Barrett obviously not happy at the end of the game saying he couldn't quite understand how six against was 8-2 and penalty count 4-1 etc yeah he wasn't happy about a sin bin and a couple of HIAs and thought that one of theirs got reviewed and one that happened, I think it was Tuikatoa, wasn't reviewed or they didn't go back for. So I've said this in the past, I'm all for going in and having some comment, but I feel at times it's also not a good idea to always make excuses. But uh, maybe he's justified in some sense of some of what he said, but yeah, I I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't
0: know. I just, yeah, we sort of, I know myself, we had a couple of shit calls go against us on Sunday and yeah I think now like as you mature as a coach you just sort of you understand that there's going to be weeks when you get them and then yeah, there's weeks when you're not going to get them and the referees aren't trying to fuck you over they're just trying to do the best job they can I think the one thing that annoys me is over refereeing that, that's the one thing that really pisses me off um, I just like referees who get involved when they need to get involved and uh, what really ticks me off is referees feelings though they are going to insert themselves into the game so everyone knows that they're there and you know they over control the game so but I, I mean when you get beat 36-10 I'm not sure you've got much cause for complaint now I don't know I didn't watch the game from that coach's lens, I guess, thinking, well, yeah, what's the difference between what they're doing and what the Eels are doing, what the Bulldogs are doing? It's, yeah, and again, if you're a fan of either side, you you're probably going to lean to that bias. Uh, yeah, I just, again, like if we we're going to talk about referees, I just think the referees got too much to do. There's too many rules. And when you keep broadening their job description and the things that they need to control and worry about, the, you know, less focus and attention to detail that they're going to have on every area because you're just loading them up with all this shit that they've got to do and think about and um, control. It's, it's a fucking hard job.
1: So, anyway, yeah. yeah. back. back. Yeah, he's got probably a bit of a history, doesn't he, of commenting on, on referees. So I don't know. I just think it's better to you know keep that stuff to yourself unless you absolutely... If it's a tight game and you've been ripped off, I can kind of understand when it blows out that way. I know it's been hard this year to have games where they probably feel like they're close or they're in it and they were that at half time so maybe it feels like the second half it was just way too lopsided but I think it's more a reflection of the rules. Yeah, the
0: referee's not causing that on.
1: No, but I think it's more a reflection of the rules that it's when you lose the momentum it's hard to get it back and once the penalty try happened, which I thought was pretty much justified and if not someone was going to the bin and they would have yeah, been I would also say that's a bit overstated as
0: well, like, momentum Momentum is about discipline. Realistically. So it's one thing to say, well, the um, you know momentum was against us, and how I say that you know we couldn't we couldn't regain that momentum, but you, but you can by keeping your discipline and by just getting through a couple of sets with without errors and without penalties and defending well and I think yeah I think it's a bit of a cop out for teams and teams are using that it's momentum you know momentum just overtook we'll learn how to change the momentum look at strategies to try and swing momentum like the Penrith game was there was no better example of how to shift momentum in a game Penrith were down 12-0 they the Roosters were bombing into Penrith's left corner and bashing the fuck out of them in the wet, and it looked like really there was no gonna be no way out of that while well, over the Roosters were able to maintain it. But Jerome Luai put in an early kick, Nathan Cleary put in an early kick, they ramped up their chase and they swung field position and therefore with their defense and with a, with an early kick, swung momentum in the game. So I think it's it's a little bit about yes momentum and but it's also about what's your strategy? When Momentum goes against you. You can't just bitch and moan about it because you, you're not always going to have momentum. So you need to learn how to arrest it. You need to learn how to manage it when it's when it's not going your way. And that's that comes back to coaching and preparation. So and I think some teams again Look at look at the Titans. Fucking hell, they led twenty four six and lost fucking was forty eight points in the second half. Well, Talk cool. about
1: not being able to arrest momentum. We'll move on to that game now and. Probably. Yeah, like whole point, no better yeah,
0: example. But, there's no better example of,
1: of momentum, is there? I think the crazy thing on that though, and a few people point out like last. i been
0: saying this for weeks. People, people message me and say, "Oh, hey, hey, are you okay?" Or like, fuck, I don't get upset about tights, because they can't tackle. If you can't tackle, you, particularly now with the way the game's going, you know, like I do think it favours attacking sides, but it's still not excuse to be leaking the amount of points they leak. Uh, and it's twice that Manly's just absolutely cut through them. And I actually made a comment at half-time... Sorry, full-time in our game, it was half-time with the Titans game. And someone said, Ah, oh, Brock, mate, the Titans are up 24-6. And my comment was, Oh, they'll find a way to fuck that up. And the bloke actually came off to be a trainer last night. He said, God, you're right about the Titans. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going wrong there because their defensive resilience was really good last year. So, whether... They've, they've gone away from it and not had it as a high enough priority throughout the preseason and whether they've just got their their roster wrong or in terms of, you know, not having enough strong defensive players. Like, if we gone we and got too many, you know, t- attacking plays. But again, that it should just be it's half the game. I, I, don't, I just can't make excuses for it. They're unwatchable. I haven't, I haven't watched the Titans game in about a month just because I, I get furious when I watch it so I, I just I, I don't watch it That's it. oh we watched the one the last Titans game I watched was the one we watched sort of watched I guess when we were having a few beers after um, was it the long weekend it was a long weekend was
1: not it storm, it was the Storm game but yeah
0: I, but that was ar-
1: origin affected after the yeah after the uh, Cabin game we went and had
0: a couple of beers at the, the bowling club so and watch that game that, that's the last Titans game I watched mm. so, and, and even before that I, I'd missed a few so the, the last game I'd watched before that was the Brisbane capitulation so and, and they're, they're, they're frustrated but mainly uh, can just generate points and the, all the Titans needed to do was make a tackle or force an error or you know complete a set and kick early and try and swing momentum
1: but they they just couldn't actually get leaky you know the scarier part though because Benji Marshall said this last night which to me was wrong he said they hurt themselves with completions in the second half they only had one incompleted fucking set they just they couldn't get they couldn't get the ball back yeah that's the fallacy of completions they couldn't get the ball back (laughs) like who completes in a game I think they were 33 from 34 but they conceded 48 unanswered points in the second half yeah so the few times they had the ball, they did complete. But with it, they for a long period of time there, they just had zero football. They could not stop them. Man, they were just rolling down field at will, six against penalties, etc. And we talked about it before, I know whether it's true or not. They literally could not stop that momentum. It was just tunneling downhill. And they made an error, I think, with like two minutes to go to make them thirty-three from thirty-four or something like that. So. If you ever looked at a stat sheet, and again, stats don't tell you everything, but if you were to say as a coach you were going to complete 90 plus percent, you'd think you'd have a very, very good chance of winning a game of football. Well, there you go. I've just got it in front of me now 33 of 34, 97 percent completion rate. But 11 line breaks to two.
0: There you go. No, yeah. No.
1: Is a I'm big to issue. Know how many,
0: how many uh, inside shoulder one-on-one tackle misses?
1: Oh, plenty.
0: It'd be through the roof. Well, no, that's what loses your games.
1: And I think the other crazy thing, which speaks to how easily they scored, Manly in time of possession only had 22 minutes to the Titans' 24, so they scored their points so quickly that even in account of possession, I think total here ball in play looks like it was about 46, 47 minutes. The amount of time spent for kickoffs. Scoring try, kicking goals, etc. I was chewed into that to a point where the Titans still had more possession despite con- conceding 56 points. Yeah. Which is just crazy.
0: Crazy. Yeah, craziness.
1: Almost made no sense when I looked at it afterwards. I was like, oh, that's, yeah. And probably summed up more than anything when you talk about poor defence or poor one on ones with Paseka, basically ran through off the kickoff. off yeah. yeah. But Tom was absolutely next world again and uh, as we've said a million times before they've obviously turned things around there's a lot of guys that were playing poorly uh, that have turned things around tap our start of the year, average Sadie Paseca Cherry Evans wasn't going that great even for started start to look healthy and a bit better Harper made a difference Saab again Parker's playing better Olokalatu Lawton since he's come over Like Tom is definitely the focal point he is what makes him tick he gets everything going he unlocks a lot of guys but in particular on the forward pack, it took those guys to pull their finger out, which at the start of the year, they were embarrassing. And right now, they've got a good thing going. So, interesting that, I don't know if you saw it, Baz Ruffier had a story the other day saying they're having some issues behind closed doors. And again, you you can't believe everything you read, but with a couple of the injuries they've had recently, there's uh, apparently a bit of a disagreement with some medical staff and others at the club and some players unhappy. God knows, but um, in the handling of uh, the, uh, the Gold Coast we're talking. No we're talking about Manly, uh, Manly uh, Having some internal issues With the handling okay. of uh, some injuries And a couple of guys being re-injured Siernan was close to back And then he got re-injured And his injury happened at training And Cust got hurt at training So apparently there's a bit of a log ahead at the moment About how things get handled Between high performance staff and some medical uh, staff my... I've just got my finger to the pulse I'm telling you Kenty that's what Buzz said. Buzz said, look, there's a bit of unrest there and it's threatening to bring things off the rail if it's not sorted out. There's a couple of names like your Schusters, cast and that were close to playing, but there's been injuries happening at training and it needs to be sorted out. So, a well. bit of a Buzz spash, but, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Have to keep your eyes on that one. Yeah, there you go. No power rankings this week don't think this
2: much.
1: No, oh, no sir. We can the power rankings, but Panera Solar Centre have to give them a pub. Great sponsor of the show as always. If you're looking for a system, there is no one better. Get on board with Jake and the lads there and uh, sort yourself out. Best case for you. So don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Panera Solar are the best and they are dedicated to providing you and Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar solutions. When it comes to tackling your bills, give them a call today on 1820 2930 or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au. For more, get on to Jake and the crew there. If you're a Western Sydney resident like ourselves in Penrith Plaza at the moment, they've got their little setup in the middle near the fountain and the cafe there with uh, all their cell, Q cells and their products and their panels. You can go and have a chat. It's Penrith Solar Centre. Good times. But Origin preview box head, I think uh, looking at the lineups, as we quickly will start on uh, New South Wales side of things, there's nothing really much changed in terms of starting lineup. The only difference is Paulo comes in to start in the middle, both edges are exactly the same. The bench for now, Whiten there again, purely for utility cover, you'd assume. Crichton has been named. Haas and Martin. So you'd assume, depending on what's happening there, that Martin or Crichton is either going to have to play some time in the middle and or they're going to push Murray or Sims in front of those guys to get onto an edge. If not, there might be a late change for Finucane. I can't see Coruscant or Campbell Graham being pushed in. Uh, Finucane's the only one sort of outside that. On the Queensland side of things, Holmes is pushed now to the right ring with Gagai on that right edge, Felice and DCE. The middle, you see Papali come back in with McCulloch to partner up with Welch, who's back from injury, and Tino, much stronger there. And the left edge is Munster with now Arrow as his back rower. Kate Welt, and Felt again feeling that Arrow's probably going to be helping out a bit more defensively and the bench. Ben Hunt as the utility to cover halves hooker. Mofort their best in game one. Francis Molo on debut, and David Fita back to the bench. Interested to see how they use him, whether they push Arrow in, try to get him. Out there when that edge is maybe a little fatigued. I, I don't know. And the eighteenth to nineteenth, Hesson, Willie Talo, can't see either of those guys coming in. Two debutants, five changes, and obviously the guys out, Sewer off of Hengawi, Xavier Coates, Harry Grant, a big out, and AJ Brimson. For New South Wales, I don't think it's rocket science. They've got sixteen of the 17 that played in game one there. It's it's rinse and repeat. Um, I looked at the weather. Apparently there's gonna be rain the day before, ten to, five to ten mil is pretty good in terms of drainage and being a good surface. So hopefully it clears up and and is a fast track and good football conditions for us again on the weekend because if it is cut up and sloppy, that probably does suit Queensland a bit more. But I I just think there's nothing really crazy that has to change. They need to get through the cycle like they did at the start of the game for that first 15 or so minutes and they won that in game one because they were so good out of the back end. They were so good with their middles. They won the territory and possession battle there and started to grind down Queensland and move their way upfield. And once they got momentum and started to break them down a little bit, the way they play with Penrith and that style of playing three wide off the ruck when they generate momentum, they got to the edges early. And it was almost like a three corridor sort of system with the talent they had. You had Tedesco constantly... Just channeling through the middle there, pushing off Cook, pushing off the forwards, looking for the ball. You had Luttrell on the left, Tom on the right. Those two swept and linked up as well as Tedesco. Um, I don't see that changing. The middles, they were huge in game one in that rotation as well. Obviously, Queensland are stronger in that area this time, so it's probably even more important. But kicking game again is going to be you know, a big thing, and Nathan did a great job there, control them. Kick early if you need to, take control of things and isolate the back three. I have no doubt, given the situation, like we said, they weren't great there in game one. Holmes is the number one carry. But Walsh, if they're in an attacking kick position, they're going to bomb Walsh. They're going to try and get him, dragging backwards because he's only small. So he, he definitely needs to be ready for that because he's certainly the one, I think, with attacking kicks that's going to be targeted. Yeah, particularly when you probably feel as though we're not going to win. The Queensland are not going to win field position. So, you're going to be catching more attacking kicks.
0: So, it's, that the, the middle battle is just crucial for how, you know, Reese Walsh is, is going to go. It's
1: um, interesting. Yeah, and that's why I think they've certainly beefed up the middle this time. So, we'll see if... Yeah, well, they've tried to. See if we can meet that challenge because we were good in game if one. A different look. It doesn't mean you're going to get different result. No. It's so, but, uh, I think, again, there's certainly going to be a big push if we do get that momentum and get to play in that Penner style with a nice early shifts getting to the edge. Tommy and Kate, well, we took advantage of it last game, need to do it again. Latrell on the other side of the field as well, just an absolute under-sixes style game. Every time we go to early football, he just created havoc, so if they can win the middle again and play that sort of style where they get three wide nice and early and isolate the edges, I think that's just an absolute must. And like I said, almost that three-corridor system that we saw having three full-backs in the way, not only did they seem to play those three areas of the field, but at times sweeping and linking up with each other. Tommy in particular kept popping up on that left-hand side with the trail as well. Um, that's a constant danger. And yardage. Yardage was the real key to that victory. We talked about Queensland having absolutely no advantage in that regard and struggling and playing off the back foot. Our back three or back five as a whole almost combined a for 1,000 metres. Tyre had 27 carries. Turbo's a fact. Latrell helped out. Teddy just absolutely gets through his work. Like we said, this year, probably less flash from Tedesco, but the work he gets through. um, You know, Fox chipped in as well, but our back five to do with not only the way they set started, but what our middles did, and then our kicking game on top of that, they were starting by the end of the game there almost nearly on the 40 metre, close to halfway every time. But they were a massive part of the game, so... Yeah, if if they're as good as they were in game one again here, that'll be huge for the forwards and the halves for New South Wales. And I guess the other big thing and what we don't know and we just spoke about is the bench rotation, because last time it was pretty straightforward. Yo played eighty, our two middles started off excellent. It elevated again once Paulo and Haas came on, but this time, obviously Savini and Paulo are starting, Um, and we've got Haas there now, so. Do we roll in Martin? Do they roll in Angus? Do they push Murray in? I'm assuming they won't have a fresh person going to the middle. So, out of Martin or Angus, I think they're probably more likely to play Martin in a middle sort of role if they're going to do that. But um, unless Fanukin's a late change, I'm just interested to see how he rolls that middle and then how he gets either Angus or Martin, like I said, onto an edge.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, again, I'd, I'd just be playing one or the other and not muck around it much. But.
1: Because, a bit like we said, if you've got Murray and Sims who have played on the edges there and they've already got combinations defensively and offensively with their halves and what we got from game one, I don't think you want to tinker too much with that. No, I don't exactly. think you want to be going, you go to a middle, we put a guy who hasn't been in camp on an edge and vice versa, like, you know, it, they need to make a call before the game. So if there's a late change before kickoff, fine, but if that's Finucane or one of those guys swapping with Crichton to go in the middle, etc., and they play either... Sims off the middle off the bench or Murray off the bench, like something like that. I don't know, but um, unless Fanukin's rolling in for one of those guys on the bench or Angus is starting for one of those back rowers, in particular on Murray or something like that, even though he plays the opposite edge, I just don't see if you'd want to be messing with your edges after the result in game one. No, I agree. So don't have much more for the New South Wales side of things. You got anything? No, I sort of I articulated what I thought probably earlier in the in the show, so hmm. no point to, to go over it. Yeah, it's just really a, a watch and see that's it. It's a pretty easy
0: game to preview because you know if I mean if New South Wales continue on, it's it's going to be more of the same, and we're probably previewing how Queensland can compete, I guess, and and potentially win the game. I, mean, you know, you can't understate the importance of Suncorp the influence that that's going to have on the referee I think we're not going to get any favours we're obviously going to have Queensland come out and go really hard and Paul Green said at their bonding session made him review video and um, so that would have stung just having to carry around that result for two weeks two and a bit weeks is going to be difficult so yeah I think all of that in itself is going to mean it, it will be probably a closer game Whether that's going to be enough for them to win the game, you know, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? Most
1: definitely. But as we have a look at them... um... I think
0: Harry Grant, like Harry Grant being out for me, I I can't get away from that. I think that's been really undersold. I can't, just, he's he's going to have, um, he's going to be a huge hole. And just, if you want to win the middle of the field, which I think we can both agree is going to be vital you've got to be able to put holes in New South Wales through the middle, and I just don't see how they're going to do that through McCulloch and Benny Hunt.
1: I think more so with Hunt, they'll get some spark in yeah, terms well, of run. Uh, but Harry, in that first fifth end 20, when it was a cycle game, and they got any sort of glance in the first game, he was out every single time. He looked sharp yeah. when they were in that cycle, but obviously for the rest of the game, he was held out because New South Wales was so dominant, but I'm with you. He would have made a difference in particular the way they've strengthened the middle and looking at Queensland now, that's the first thing I've got written here. It's a better middle with Papali there, with Welch. McCulloch helps defensively, but those two back, especially as long as Welch stays on the field with Tino, I think brings a huge impact and is a very big importance that they start well with Welch, Papali, Tino, try and get some second phase, try and break things down so they can get to the edges and get Walsh Involved in the game, because like we said, McCulloch's not going to bring a whole lot in terms of getting out, getting downfield, pushing into space, ball playing, creating. But off the back of those guys, obviously, they're going to look for momentum to get to their edges nice and quick and try and find DC and Munster and try and get Walsh linking up with those guys to play some football if they can create some momentum. But biggest key for me is back three, because I think there's already extra pressure on that forward pack. Loading up the bench, loading up the way they have. I'm assuming they're thinking they're going to have to do a hell of a job with their rotation and their starters to make sure they're in the contest the whole way, but at the same time, it's still a very, very big ask if you get nothing out of your back three. So at least if their forwards can put them on the the front foot, maybe it puts them in a better field position. Less attacking kicks coming their way, but um, after the way things went in game one, if they get a lot of attacking kicks and you're going to play off the back of Felt, Holmes and Walsh, In particular, I think, in attack, they're definitely going to target Walsh. He's only a smaller fella. Um, He's proved he will definitely compete for everything, but they can pick him up. They can drag him back. They can dominate him play one. If not, they'll look for the strongest carry, which is Holmes. Same deal. If they want to work him out of a corner, they'll bomb him. They'll get him flat-footed. They'll manhandle him, and then the next carries are going to be either one of those guys, Felt and Walsh. They're going to need help from Catewell and Gagai in particular. who's usually very good in this area their whole back five needs to be much better this game that's a that's big care for them to have a chance in this game yeah
2: agree
1: um, defensively arrow to that edge again I'm assuming is to help out with the Tom situation he's a guy that certainly works hard when he's in the middle um, he's not as mobile as such as a David Fafita and he's definitely not going to be as big an offensive weapon there but I'm assuming it's for that reason and then to bring Fafita in the mix whether it is his middle or an edge and pushing back I don't know but they've clearly seen something there that they want to work on. He's definitely a guy who gives good inside pressure, gets the halves, hunts after a tackle, like, gets off his man and goes over. So I'm assuming that's purely to try and tie up the Tom situation a little bit and help out Kate well. But for how long can you do that? Like, if you're basing your whole game plan off to try and patch up some gaps there, like, at some stage, if it's not him, if it's not Latrell, if it's not Tedesco, like, you're not going to be able to hide that all game. But... Degree, yeah. um, and on top of that, like people were talking about today, about Fafita and being a one-trick pony, like he'll add more skills to his game over time for the back row, but what's his best position? It's pretty straightforward. He's an edge back row. Yeah. He's a freak. He's a powerful freak. He's fast. He's got a great impact. Sure, like we said, he probably doesn't have the full array of skill set yet in terms of line running and many intricacies, but what's the basis of his game? Well, the basis of his game is you get him early football, you get him at small halves, and he creates havoc and gets three or four blokes on him which then generates quick play the balls for you to play off the back of. So for the little bit of work that you're trying to compensate again, we talk about on the defensive side of things, arrow's not gonna do that in attack. So if you can't generate momentum with arrow, you're not gonna get a guy punching holes or getting extra numbers in to generate ruck speed. Well, it's, it's not helping in that regard, which we're talking about. They're looking for some spark or some X factor because they showed a lack of that in game one. So um, his use off the bench is something I'll be interested to see. Um, if he gets put on an edge or they're just going to use him straight up as a battering ram, I, I don't know but um, Hunt I think is intriguing when he comes on his dummy half kick helps out I thought their kicking game in game one was poor so if they're on the back foot it wouldn't surprise yeah,
0: me and also providing that, they, that their bench middles can have an impact yep you got to
1: think about who's going to be playing with it,
0: so hmm like I said I've, I've got concerns over whether they can have an impact
1: I think Mo showed game one that he had the biggest impact. Molo on debut, um, the way the rules are, I don't think they're going to be able to run him for huge minutes. So that's something we'll have to see about how he goes. And then, yeah, I think Hunt coming off the bench, depending on where they're at, definitely helps out with kicking. Kicking wasn't great in game one. Cherry Evans is mostly responsible for that, but off the back foot. Didn't really kick themselves out of trouble. Hunt's one of these guys that can get out and get a good nudge play three or four if they try to change their momentum. But again, by the time he's injected, hopefully they're not in that situation or they're not too far gone. And if they are in a tight game or need a bit of spark, I think he'll definitely provide something different to McCulloch. So I'd be interested to see uh, how he plays his way into the game. But overall, like we said, they lost every facet of the game. But back three's got to be better. Middle's got to be better. But overall defensively, they have to stop New South Wales, play 1-2, and they have to get some kick pressure because they got zero in game one. Yeah. So, could run all day, but yeah. on top, All that stuff leads into their halves. If they can generate back three, they can get some roll through the middle. Obviously, their halves get some football and you open up opportunities for Reese Walsh. And we know why they've picked him. They haven't picked him for yardage. They haven't picked him for dirty carries. They've picked him because they need a bit of X-factor. If Munster gets free run they get some momentum and he gets going breaking tackles, getting up and down the field and Walsh can jump on the back of that I have no doubt that he can make some magic at this level but if they play like they do in game one I don't see what impact he can have on the game No, because his game and the way he plays right now in the rules and the way things work at club football is all based off generating momentum and getting opportunities to shift to the edge and they had zero opportunity if any realistically, in good ball or playing in attacking positions for the most part of the game. And if that's how it goes again, and I doubt it will at Suncorp, you will not see much of Reese Walsh. Exactly. So if they can get themselves in good positions, no doubt they'll be relying on him for uh, some spark. And we've seen how good he is at summing things up numbers-wise and his passing game from fullback on the edges. Uh, intrigued to see. But overall, uh, I, I think this is a, a stronger team in some senses, but the Harry Grant thing is a big out. But I I feel this time, like we said, they're really relying on that middle. They're really relying on that bench rotation and hoping they can get a few opportunities and use that X Factor of Munster and Walsh to try and spark something and make it a dogfight. But I, I just feel, again, if it's warm, even despite that rain or dry enough under this new set of rules, I don't know how you can make it a dogfight. I just, yeah, I... It's it's very very hard to see I I was really surprised What we saw in game one That was just so fast And so loose But New South Wales Just attack all over the park Um, Need A lot To go right I think this time But Big occasion Suncorp Couple of guys back in Looking to prove a point Few debutants Pride hurt This is when Queensland Are most dangerous Yeah. So let's get a prediction Who you got
0: Uh, I think I got New South Wales
1: yeah, by how many?
0: Uh, I think they win one to
1: twelve. All right. Well, I'm going to say New South Wales by ten. Yeah,
0: we'll put me down for twelve. I'll go twelve
1: on the dot. All right. And what about a, a first try scorer?
0: Shit bet. I hate first try scorer bets. Um, yeah. I'll go. Um, I'll go to him,
1: Lord, that'll be a bit of value, I reckon. I'm going to go Turbo. Just if uh, they get an early opportunity to get straight back at Capewell on that edge and arrow, I think if they test that out early, they might find a bit of love and a man of the match for game two. Cleary. Yeah, well, I've got the same. I think uh, this time around, there'll be more fight, like I said, from Queensland, so his kicking game and... uh, influence will be even more important because I don't know if it'll be as loose and uh, the odds with that one after those predictions with Bluebet there's no one better to bet with than a true blue bookie jump on www.bluebet.com.au or download the app today they have the odds currently as Queensland $4.20 outsiders $1.23 for New South Wales the line is now out to 14.5 so wow big line for Origin Queensland one to twelve is five twenty-five. New South Wales one to twelve three seventy. Thirteen plus Queensland thirteen plus uh sorry thirteen dollars and New South Wales thirteen plus is a dollar seventy two. First try, no surprise, the wingers seven dollars a piece of Toto and Carr Adokar. Trebojevic is eight. Uh and who do you say Luoy? Luai, you get twenty one. Bit of value for the Valentine Holmes, I think, has scored the first try multiple times when they play at Suncorp. He's back on the wing, twelve dollars, so there's a bit of value there. Yeah, that's a good bet. I looked at that today and thought he's had a habit of scoring first try. Man of the match, favourite. We're both on him. Nathan Cleary, four dollars twenty-five. Tom, not far behind at six fifty. Teddy, seven fifty. Latrell was very good in game one. He's at twelve dollars, so if you think he can back that up, Queensland, no surprise. Best odds, Cameron Munster, if he has a blinder up there like he has in the past $15, so thinking think he can bounce back. Cherry Evans is the next at 19, and uh, they're few and far between. They're very far back on the odds here. Walsh at 26, and not much after that, mostly off in the 40s. So uh, some big odds there, and the bookies look like they're not giving Queensland much of a chance, which is always a scary thing. But in all honesty, uh, pretty confident. I must admit Yeah me too Most years I don't feel this way But after game one And even with the changes And coming in With minimal change On the New South Wales Side of things 50 to 6 Is not a fluke I don't think it. I don't think It ends up that way Again in particular But um, I think there's A fair gulf this year And It Har- does It does It does look that way Doesn't it mm. And I think Even with the Katewell situation Like last year Up against Guthson Was one thing But to risk that again against Tom in particular. Um, I know, again, their options aren't the greatest, but, yeah. Uh, like, I, I struggled when they, they talked about other options, like running a, a Chambers after all the time out and then only being back for a few weeks. Like, I, I don't agree with that. That was one thing that was floated. But, yeah, they really are light on for options. And missing a Harry Grant and Reid Marnie, obviously getting injured on top of that before the that game, and McCulloch now... Realistically, at the start of the year, pushed out of the Broncos, goes to the Dragons. He's doing a solid job there, but again, um, you know, sort of a, a third string or even a fourth string, really. I, I think they'd probably get more out of Ben Hunt in terms of what you're looking for in attack for this arena to try and compete with New South Wales. So just feeling that there's a lot of expectation on a few guys there to pick up the pace and an 18-year-old kid, etc. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know if it's going to be the year for Queensland this year. No, doesn't look that way. Right. But for a game three, uh, to be honest, I'd rather watch a decider than a dead rubber, but at the same time as a New South Welshman, I would not be complaining if we had a chance to win a series 3-0. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Mm. From an yeah, entertainment I, I perspective. Love it. I love I love a decider. But after the 10 years we suffered, I don't think I'd complain. <laughs> no. No. So, there you go. For all the Queensland fans out there, Fingers crossed if they can turn this around. Lots of change. Oh, no. no fingers crossed. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of change. A couple of guys back in the mix. See if McCulloch, Papali, Welch after that head knock can help out the middles. See if Munster can bounce back and have a big game. Uh, we'll see if the arrow move out the edge there pans out and if Kate Well can hold off Tom and Gagai, who's generally been absolutely out of his skin every time he plays for Queensland. I think the last game is probably the worst game he played. So, um, see what happens with him. Walsh, Molo, Hunt. There's a lot there. And for feeder, even his form as of recent, now being pushed back to the bench, see what response we get from him in this game. And for New South Wales, I guess, can they repeat it? And if they do, uh, look out. <laughs> no. There you go. Pretty much wraps us up, Boxhead.
0: A dash, man.
1: So... Next week is back to they're not doing what they did last time, did they? I think last round they didn't start until Friday. But this week coming, I think. I think it's
0: Thursday. It is Rooster Storm. It's stupid.
1: Yeah, well, stupid for us this year. Not so much the Roosters. Oh, well, they've got two in, I guess. Game one, they only yeah, had they Tedesco, but shitload of players
0: out.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, but, we've yeah. we've we've got a few out after what happened last week, and now we've got five or six in this game, so... Yeah,
0: you're on top of the comp. Don't fucking complain.
1: No, oh, I'm not going to complain, but... Could fucking... It's just a dumb time to have that game, man. Fuck. What's... Surely it's... when you do the draw and you know that's the week after Origin, they're probably the worst two teams to put on the Thursday night. Yeah, well, you would think so. Not, not for TV ratings, but for common sense of clubs that have a generally big mm-hmm. representation. It's not really a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what do you do? <laughs> it's just...
0: Yeah, yeah, So. Not much it can do, mate. You just can't get them,
1: is it? With that being the case, I guess we could probably record Monday or Tuesday as normal. And we'd do a review and then a pre tips. Because we won't have all the match reviews, so it'll be shorter anyway, mate. But we'd at least have lineups. But it'll be interesting to see who backs up.
0: It will be me.
1: There you go. You've got our predictions. We've had a, a bit of a round about the Broncos, the Tigers, and a few other bits and bobs. And uh, again, apologies for the delay, but it's been, uh, been an interesting week, hasn't it, Boxhead? You've been crook for a few weeks and then you dropped me to the hospital the other night, so yeah. it's been a good time. <laughs> it has been. But we're it still here been. and we're still trying to deliver
0: just for the team
1: for the team good player i tell you what I did today I, um,
0: I I found I've been looking for one for ages you know I've been I've been searching and searching and searching for an old school Gold Coast Chargers jersey and today I finally got my hands on one excellent in an XL and it's a brand new year. I'm going to post it up on the page it's a fucking belter so <laughs> me and um, Tim Witt got a little bit of a fascination with old jerseys and collections and trying to get just random old jerseys. So he's um he's actually on the lookout for the... You remember the Penrith tile like, white jersey? No, I reckon it was their 1995 away jersey.
1: No, uh, not really. No, nah, OK, yeah. So anyone out there who knows what it is, if they've
0: got one laying around, they want to... Make some cabage, Get in touch with us. But I do. There's a market out there for retro jerseys. I've got, I've got nearly every Titans jersey, and I'm, I'm thinking now with how, how much play these um, Chargers jerseys are getting, I might be, um, I'm just going to keep them all away, and in 20
1: or 30 years, I'll, I'll crack them out. I've got a, um, I've actually got a, a brand new Holden Cup 41 of the yellow ones. So, I've got an old Holden Cup footy from when I yeah, old. Yeah, no, mine's a Grand Buie, mate, still in the plastic. Mine was dead that I flogged when I left Canberra. so. <laughs> yeah. But I took one with me because I love those foot those balls. They were cool. Yeah, no, I bought, I bought one.
0: At, you know, when they were the in thing, like I love that yellow footy, and I never cracked it out. So that's that's looking like a smart call as well. Mm. Twenty or thirty years, that'd be worth a, worth it. A little bit, there won't be many of them
1: floating around. so... But I also enjoy Is it got I mother, just love, is mother? We all love that
0: stuff, eh? Hey? Like the old retro footy stuff, the footy cards and just
1: collector's items. and... Is mother the sponsor on the football still?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because,
1: funny story, they were the sponsor the first year or two and they used to leave it in the dressing room, which is probably the worst thing to drink before a game. Oh, yeah. But, funnily enough, they'd supply it and I was like, wow. <laughs> Oh, bit of mother. Don't know if I should be ripping into this and get calf cramped 10 minutes into a game. No, you shouldn't
0: be. But right.
1: it was a good footy. I'll give it that.
0: But I can't I can't find like one of those penis jerseys anywhere.
1: Well, Timmy sent me what you were talking about with the retro page with the old yellow Melbourne jersey. That oh, that's the best. has basically never been seen again. And then there was a, a I'll lot... Tell you
0: which one. I'll tell you what jersey I love is the inaugural... Warriors jersey and the inaugural Cowboys jersey I so remember the Warriors Warriors jersey is like the blue blue green red and white V or I grey say grey jersey and the Cowboys one is the old striped like maroon grey white striped with forex in as a sponsor it's an absolute belter
1: well Melbourne almost every year have a vote for the retro jersey and I swear to God, every time the yellow one's been an option, I've voted for it, and obviously no one else likes it because it never gets voted for.
0: I'll tell you what's another great underrated jersey, the old Illawarra Steelers jersey.
1: You know what? I kind of like when we've patash SG and Matts the last few years. I still like the red jersey they have.
0: Yeah, I like, I like the Illawarra jersey. Looks mad.
1: It's not bad at all. It's
0: not bad for the
1: team but the other Melbourne one and I think Timmy sent this one to me when you were talking about the retro thing there was the one that was like almost all the lighter purple colour but it had silver thunderbolts all over it yeah same deal it's never been voted in for the retro jersey everyone always picks one of the early 2000s ones which I'm not really a big fan of there's the old Broncos diamond jersey remember that one which one the Broncos 1995 retro the the tile, no, sorry, the diamond jersey yeah I remember that one
0: very similar to the um, to the Panthers one I'm going to send you a photo of the Panthers one now it's outstanding
1: if it's like that one now I know kind of what you're talking about but I don't think I ever saw the Penrith version
2: there you go beep, beep.
1: oh yeah I know the one you're talking about yeah and it's ah oh, sponsored by Prospect Electricity. Prospect Electricity, mate. That's who I. That's who I work for. We'll see if they've got one stowed away in an office somewhere. Mate, one of the old blokes probably does. Well, there you go. They wouldn't Which have one work. anymore. Prospect we're was. For a,
0: we're looking for a
1: small. Prospect was the original name, name of it. It was Sutton County Council, then it was Prospect. Yeah. Then it was Integral. It, it changed names multiple times.
0: But, I'd uh, love to get. I'd love to see Tim floating around. Bluebet Stadium
1: and one of them. He'd love it. I'm sure somebody out there knows of it. Yeah. Ask the retro jersey guy. He surely might be able to put a plug yeah, out there.
0: He's a bit of a peanut, that bloke. Wow. Anyway. Snaps. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. There it is, mate. Giving it to
0: yeah. him. Yeah,
1: mate. Oh, well. There you go.
0: Yeah, a bit of, bit of uh, old school jersey chat. So, I, I, yeah, I might even start a post on the... Uh, Discussion group I want to see Your dirtiest Best old retro jersey Yeah
1: or just 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 ask people It's got to be Has it got to be cotton It can't be fucking retro
0: Oh unless it's a Super League jersey It can't be a I do I reckon
1: I don't I don't think Melbourne Melbourne wasn't in Late Early enough to have A cotton jersey
0: Yeah when were they 98
1: 98 And it wasn't cotton
0: I reckon some of them Were still cotton Penrith was still cotton Until Penrith
1: for Rock and Cotton in 2000 when MJ was still finishing up. I
0: reckon 05 would have been their first year in Syntho. They
1: had the all-black jersey.
0: 04, they definitely had the all-black, the same as 03. Panthers 2005.
1: Was that an ISC or a classic? A
0: classic were the originals. Yeah, 2005 was the first year they went to Synthetic. Or well, what do you call it? Uh, um, I don't even know what you call that material. Yeah. Polyester, is it? Yeah, whatever know. it is. But it's like, not fucking cut, anyway. You
1: can put one in the discussion group. Just ask people what's their favourite retro G. Let, let's see what people have got.
0: I wanna, I'm not your favourite. I want to see one you've
1: got. Oh, well, even if you got one. But if you got a favourite, you if you've got some one.
0: You've got
1: currency to jump in on the conversation. Something. Yeah, all good. Anyway. But there you go. Like we said, interesting week bit of ill health but we're still here fingers crossed yeah, moving well,
0: forward
1: mate you've been a mess for a month yeah I don't
0: know
1: and I've been good and then I ended up in hospital so we're on fire yeah
0: life's just kicking my ass a little bit mate bit of bad juju but we're still kicking so it's all good <laughs> Much running, I reckon. I was fucking doing heaps of running at one point there. It might have run
1: me down a bit. I don't well, know. Mine's certainly not from running, I'll give you the tip. Yeah, uh, well, and then I was, yeah, probably drinking
0: a few too many beers over the weekend.
1: Excellent. So I know.
0: For me, like, no, I'm not saying I'm a, I was a binge drinker or anything, but yeah, there was a couple of weekends there where I had, you know, six beers on a, on a Saturday and Sunday night. run up. me down a bit, I don't know.
1: I don't know, mate. That, and you work with a thousand kids. Uh, it's pretty easy to yeah. get the flu. Plus, Woody and
0: players, and yeah, I guess everyone's sort of. Plus, got kids. The two kids are at daycare. and Bloody man, you walk into those fucking rooms, and there's just kids with snot everywhere.
1: Excellent. Chase
0: so, you know, is outstanding.
1: Whereas my day is based around only a handful of people, and I don't have to have anywhere near as much interaction. Yeah, yeah, you're, uh, you're in a good spot. Which is why Like I said the other day When I called you To drop me to the hospital I had no idea What the fuck was going on Yeah Because It came out Absolutely nowhere Whereas you Like you said You're interacting With hundreds of different people Every single day Mm. You can at
0: least put. Yeah this is sick As I reckon I've ever been For like a month In a row I usually never get cooked You just build up an immunity Because you're around All the time But Mm. If I I get sick It's usually a doozy And this one's Just been Yeah it's been a corker So Play on
1: like oh, I said fingers crossed everybody out there that you're in good health and this fucking outbreak gets contained <laughs> yeah that's
0: interesting as well hey, sure outbreak, is little outbreak yeah the mail I said that earlier the mail is that
1: it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better that's the mail I've got but yeah, well, hopefully they get
0: hopefully get on hopefully top of it. it yeah hopefully it goes away and we can continue doing good things in New South Wales but Anyway, we'll oh. see. Yep, I'm all now, for... Did you know, interesting fact before we go, did you know that NRL 360 actually started at the exact same time as we started um, our show?
1: I had no idea because I didn't watch it at the start.
0: Yeah. It started in 2013. They started with the Peptides, Darkest main Sport, and I reckon that might have been our first or second episode.
1: Yeah, I think that was like our second or third
0: yeah, there you go. So they started exactly the same time as us, just with Benny Iken moving on. They were um Nick had it on before and they were showing some highlights and yeah, he said that was our first ever episode talking about that. So far yeah, they must have started the same year we did, so well, there you
1: go. I didn't watch it's
0: it. Sad the... to, to see Benny Iken. Now I was just on in the background. Yeah, sad to see Benny Iken go. I, I really like Benny Icon. Hmm. I hope he um, I hope he has success at, at the Broncos and
1: do you got you got a replay on, do you? What's that? Of 360. No, I don't
0: know. Nick had it on in the background. Oh, I was going right? to say, it's
1: bloody was 11 it o'clock. Was it, was it a replay? Yeah, no, no, no. He had it on when we were doing dinner
0: and putting the kids
1: down, so... Well, I have watched it tonight, but, yeah, I, I really do think they're going to struggle without him. Yeah, he's, I hope Laura
0: Pitt gets that gig,
1: man. He's the voice I of reason, like and he generally keeps them in check or calls them on their shit. Yeah, but I reckon she's the closest thing to Benny Eich, I think she's... You know, I I get that, but I feel... And again, I... I'd, think she's... um just
0: super articulate um charismatic she doesn't copy any shit she knows her stuff
1: I still feel like Kent and um, Hooper talk over her which to me is just purely disrespectful she's a
0: mum I don't know I, I, just, I just like her mm. I think she's a gun I love it when she's on because she just pulls no punches and yeah I don't it, like it's not tokenistic at all with um for, you know From that female perspective You know For a long time there They were just sticking Females In to sort of Appease that um, You know That gender bias I guess And But she mate she, She's as good as Any regular league Journalist in the game I believe So I'd, I'd like to see her At least get First shot at it
1: maybe, maybe she doesn't Want to do it I don't know But Well if she has um, to the, deal With the shit song song that and Kenny and hoops Generally give her Talking over And doing whatever else I, I don't know yeah. <laughs>
0: But
1: I think she, I think she more than holds her own. I think she holds her own, but I think they don't handle thing, themselves too well. There's been Yeah, a... but I
0: think it will be a different role for her. Like I, I think she could quite easily do what Penny um, what Eichen does and add just as much from probably a little bit different perspective.
1: Well, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, but I'll be interested to see. Yeah. Because, again, whoops, dropped me pen. I don't think they're going to be able to... Uh, replace him that's for sure but to get someone to do a good job uh, or you know a similar job uh, I'll be interested to see who they get because yeah to me he's like I said the stability of everything he's the voice of reason he keeps it flowing and he also keeps him in check so um yeah I didn't watch Jake, right Jake, Jake
0: Duke they had Jake Duke over from nine yeah no. Nah. <laughs> I don't know I, I, I'm just trying to work. i Maybe
1: they'll maybe they'll just run through a few. They'll try a few. I'm not sure. Well, either that or they'll add more people to that rotating panel, I guess, and sort of just try and go night by night. But like I said, I think there needs to be a consistent voice of reason every night. No, they have to
0: have an anchor
1: there. Hmm. They need a consistent voice of reason, and I, mm-hmm. I I don't know who it's going to be.
0: Maybe Bazman.
1: <laughs> well, they asked that last night.
0: Welcome to NRF three hundred and
1: sixty. But, Kent, you got to stop talking over me, mate. Maybe Hoops
0: will win the Premiership? No. Please, no. Yeah. Anyway, well, I guess we better get off, eh? Yes, How sir.
1: Long we going? How long have we been
0: going for?
1: Good talk. We just had an extra 15 minutes then.
0: Oh, good. That's I'm all right. About retro jerseys and
1: lockdowns and been,
0: 360 been and, sick. and <laughs> Anyway.
1: People can turn off if they want to. Life stuff. We
0: won't be offended because I won't fucking know.
1: Memories. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there you go. We've wrapped it all up. Big thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. Make sure if you're going to get on board with the system, there is no one better. And if you're going to have a punt, do it with bluebet.com.au or download the app today for Blue Bet Origin Preview and had a look at, uh, obviously, the round that's gone, even though it's a few days old and some club issues. We'll be back next week with the review and have a look at the round ahead I guess uh, what do you reckon do it on the Tuesday
0: yeah I don't know
1: see ya it'll be the Monday or the Tuesday we'll oh, see how um, I'm on
0: holidays next week so
1: play on easy go Mate, it'll make things a bit easier yeah. oh, one of those two nights and uh, hopefully Origins an absolute cracker on the weekend I hope so but for now everybody enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league
0: Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?